Welcome back to the Bit Beacon broadcast. It's episode 008. The usual suspects are here. Yep, Rick, Taylor, Kodaks. Uh, it's November 14th, 2023. And you just got done listening to the brand new Bit Beacon, Beacon theme. theme. That's right. By friend of the show, Matthew Kierkegaard. Big shout out. He improved that whole thing. It, it's amazing. We love it. It's absolutely perfect. I'm really grateful for his help with this, his contribution. It will not be forgotten. We owe him a debt. We we owe him a debt long time. Yeah. Well, some of us more than others. Yes. True. <laughs> um, so let's jump into what have we been playing, what have we been buying. You want me to go first? Yes, you go first. Okay. So, what have I been playing? I've long finished Final Fantasy 16. I've been playing a, a fair bit of Mario Wonder this past week. I think I'm on maybe the fourth world at this point. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's only five or six total worlds, although I have a feeling the game is hiding something from me. I bet. Yeah, usually Mario games have eight worlds, so yeah. I'm sure I'm going to go to what I think is the boss and then... Something's going to happen. It's a new world opens up or something. Yeah. I've been enjoying it a lot. There was this one particular level. I think it was in the second world. It was kind of a hidden level called Jump, Jump, Jump. And it's one of those stages where you have to, almost like to the beat of the music, which gets progressively faster, Mm -hmm. you have to like time your jumps and your movements so like a rhythm level yeah but like all the platforms are disappearing like uh, in yeah. conjunction with the rhythm uh, and it's it's only about a 50 second level from start to finish wow but i had to go at it for probably an hour straight yeah and i refused to move on i was you know, there were times where I would get so close, and then I was like, okay, the next one, I finally got it. And then I'd do, like, ten attempts in a row where I didn't even get close. But, man, did it feel so good when I finally got there. Except I get off into the platform, and there's the the little thing I have to collect at the end of the level, right? You're right. And there were these coins surrounding it, so I started going for the coins around it, and then the timer ran out. Oh, that... <laughs> That'll do it. So they distracted me with the shiny coins, and I had to spend about another 15 minutes of attempts before I finally got back, and I said, screw those coins, I'm grabbing that thing, I'm getting out of here, and I'm never doing this level again. This is the fruit that you mentioned last week, right? So they're not actually fruit. I should correct me. They're seeds. Okay. They're seeds. They're different kind of seeds based on which world you're visiting. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, they, they look like the stars in that they have the little long eyes and the mm-hmm. mouth kind of thing. But, um, yeah, they're seeds, not fruit. So, okay. correction from last week. Okay. Um, I, I'm curious about this game a lot. Uh, so, how, could you compare it to, like, New Super Mario Brothers or something? Like, how, how... What really sets Super Mario Brothers Wonder apart from any 2D Mario game that's come prior is that in every single level, there is this hidden wonder seed. Mm-hmm. And 
you want to collect it because it you know it helps you unlock other levels and you need so many wonder seeds to you know get to the castle at the end of the world or whatever right mm -hmm. um but in addition to that it'll totally flip the script on the whole entire level so it's usually somewhere around the halfway point of the level you can find this hidden wonder seed and every single level has one of these hidden wonder seeds right and it will change how the game plays for like the next three to four minutes um, like there was one point where instead of being a side-scrolling game, it became like a top-down Mario game. As soon as you picked up the as hidden... soon as you pick up the Wonder Seed, there's like this cool like transformation effect that happens on screen, mm -hmm. um, and like there's sometimes like the whole level will start like collapsing and like this giant like ball is tumbling and like destroying the whole entire level, and you're like having to like stay afloat on top of it while. And all, all of this is presented like cinematically. Cinematically, but you're playing through the whole thing as well. It's not like a cutscene is playing out. Okay. Like, I mean, there's like a brief, like, one, two second transformation cutscene as the level kind of shifts to whatever weird, wacky thing is going on. Mm -hmm. And there's really not a whole lot of repeating of ideas either. Like, it's, there's some sort of like, okay, you can see they kind of did a similar thing for this level that they did for another level you played earlier, but it's like an evolution on top of that. It's like they were training you in that earlier Wonder Seed moment, and now you're getting like a more advanced, challenging form. Um, and so it's been very wonderful mm -hmm. to... Uh, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, pun intended, to experience... Uh, all these cr really creative, just out there, like wacky ideas that you would not expect to encounter in a seemingly traditional Mario 2D Mario game. Gotcha. Um, that sounds really cool. Yeah. I, I read, I don't have a, a quote exactly, but I read that Nintendo told the team just to go go wild. Like, don't let yourself be held back by the constraints of a 2D Mario. We want to give these moments for you to like do weird interesting things mm -hmm. like there's points where like mario will like totally transform and like you start interacting instead of going from side to side all of a sudden the level is like vertical mm -hmm. down to up you know kind of a thing where yeah. you're like floating or this giant balloon thing and you're bouncing all over all kinds of objects and where there's like a million stars you know raining down so you can get like all this invincibility um yeah it's just constantly surprising me every single level you're finding something new and uh they do a good job of not making these things too hidden because i do think they want the player to experience these wonderful moments mm -hmm. um but yeah you can miss them like i've completed some levels and i'm like what the heck how did i not find the wonder seed so i've had to go back and like be a little more careful as i progress through the level um and in some cases finding the wonder seed will basically get you to an alternate ending of the level as opposed to where the level would have ended normally. So mm -hmm. some levels you do almost want to play twice, once with the Wonder Seed ending and then once without the Wonder Seed effect. Uh, I see. Uh, but not all levels are like that. Most of the levels, I'd say 90% of them, there's still the same conclusion to the level, but there's like a special moment in it. But yeah, there are times where it does encourage you to sort of explore the level differently a following time, almost like a Sonic game. I see. That to, Okay, so to me, that speaks to why I set Nintendo apart yeah. from other studio or other console holders, but other, you know, um, big publishers, uh, for them to tell their development team, go wild. Yeah. You know, I, that like, that's the best thing an artist can hear. Right. And, uh, 
for them to be able to just make the level vertical all of a sudden, right. that requires a lot from a like development perspective. You have to write all kinds of new physics, you know, scripts and right. all new state machines and stuff, like to completely change the way the game is played. Oh yeah, like um, so everything is changing. Intensive for resources, yeah. you know, um, but for Nintendo to just bankroll that. And just have faith in their artists that right. they're making like a good experience. Um, that's something that Nintendo does. Right. I like, and this is proof. It's it's almost unique to Nintendo. Exactly. It's almost like Nintendo can afford to do that. That's where my, that's other my developers point. can't. That's my point. Exactly. Hundred percent. So uh, great to hear. I want to play this game. It's uh, after I'm finished. You're welcome to borrow my copy. That'd be dope. Um, it's. Uh, it really is like I mean the 2D Mario games were kind of growing I don't want to say stale but a little ho-hum like you knew what you were getting with a 2D Mario game right you know right and so this has now said we know players think they know what they're getting with 2D Mario mm-hmm. so let's give them something different I'll second that opinion uh, with the new Super Mario Brothers on Wii U um, I love it, and it's beloved by you know for all the right reasons and stuff. But it, it is the same mechanic right. as like Super Mario World. Yeah, there's not really anything new on the. I table. mean, I think I can't remember if the first new Super Mario Brothers game introduced multiplayer or if it was the Wii U one. Mm-hmm. But um, I know uh, the them. Wii U one did have co-op. Yeah, it had like four player. Yeah, and this also has that. I personally, I think. 2D Mario is a little... I prefer to play solo. Right, yeah. I mean, I could see coming at it from a party angle where it's just pure chaos, you know? Right. Like, and that can be fun in its own way. If you have close friends and stuff, that would be fun, I think. But, yeah, solo is always... Yeah, and I, I mean, like, this game has a lot of characters to choose from. And they all play... All the human characters play the same. Um, you know, you got Mario, you got Luigi, you got Peach, you got Daisy... Um, and then you have like different Yoshis, you have different Toads, I think. Um, and then there's also some other characters you can play as as well. And mm-hmm. I know like Yoshi, they do get that sort of like extra little jump that they can do. You know, like if they hold on yeah. to the jump and they go, like, yeah, it's you know? like an extended jump. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, ref- I'm like, I'm just gonna play as Mario the first time I play through this game. You know, I want to get like a pure. Right. Mario experience, but like Luigi doesn't have like the weird like floaty jump that Luigi does normally. Mm-hmm. Um, he ju- he plays exactly the same as Mario, which I some people I could see maybe being kind of disappointed, but they do provide alternate options to play the game a little differently. But mm-hmm. I don't think they want like Luigi to be like easy mode, you know? Right. And that's like relegated to like characters like Yoshi, and there's even some characters in the game that like just don't take damage. Period. So. What? Really? Yeah. Um, I think it's Nabbit. It's okay. this character they introduced, I think, in the new Super Mario Brothers games. It's like this little rabbit bandit mm-hmm. looking character. And so, like, if you were playing. Oh, the, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He has, like, a little sack that yeah. he carries around. Yeah. Um, if you were playing with he was, someone. He was, like, a bad guy in the new Super Mario. Exactly, yeah. Um, if you were playing with someone who's maybe not super great at the game, you know, you could play as Mario and maybe they could play as Nabbit and that way they wouldn't really be inhibiting your playthrough. Mm-hmm. There's also this really cool asynchronous kind of multiplayer thing going on if you choose to enable it or not, mm-hmm. where you can see 
other players playing the level almost like a ghost at the same time as you. Except it's not a ghost. They are actually live playing the level. Mm -hmm. And for example, if your character falls in a pit and dies or something, right? Mm -hmm. You become like a little ghost temporarily. You have five seconds. And if your ghost can touch another one of these like asynchronous players, your character like comes back to life. Early? Instead of like going back to the checkpoint or back to the beginning of the level, oh, okay. you can just like revive right there essentially. Like and it never happened. Almost like it never happened. You don't even lose like one of your lives. Uh, and see. it's pretty cool. Players can also like put these um, little like signboards up, and like there's like different like emotions or characters pointing in different things. So inside the level? Inside the level, yeah. So they can post like a Mario like kind of pointing up or something, like indicating that like, hey, you maybe you should look over uh, here. Okay. Uh, it's actually I I turned it on because I thought like this is pretty unique. I want to kind of experience this. They don't get in the way of me playing the game. Mm. Um and you know, they can only well, they make your they can make the game a little easier at times. Like sometimes people will have posted like one of the little signpost things. And the signpost can also revive you, much like a ghost player oh, can. Okay. Um, so sometimes players have them at like really tough spots. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll have the little thing posted so you can kind of attempt a thing over and over again. Gosh. This feature is exclusive if you only have Nintendo Switch Online, though. So if you didn't have it, you wouldn't have access to this asynchronous multiplayer kind of thing. I see. There is also co-op as well, but I believe it's local only. I don't think you can do it online. I gotcha. But that's a really interesting way of doing multiplayer. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think it's inspired quite a bit by games like Dark Souls, mm -hmm. who have this sort of asynchronous multiplayer thing as well, where people's ghosts can like leave notes and messages, and sometimes players in those games will like lead someone towards a trap. Right. They'll, you know? I, from my understanding, they'll show you how that player died. Exactly. Yeah, like uh, someone who died there can leave a message. And they can either warn you about something if mm -hmm. they want, or they could lie to you mm -hmm. and, you know, tell you, oh, you know, don't go this way, you know, go this way instead. And then you go that way and then some crazy monster is there and one shots you, you know? Yeah, right. So like players have, they don't just use it to be nice, they can also use it to be a little mischievous as well. Haven't seen so much of the mischievousness in Mario Although I don't know that there's as many opportunities for it as there is in one of those hardcore Dark Souls games. Right, you would almost Demon have to, games. From, what I, from what I'm hearing, you'd almost have to get really creative to be mischievous. Yeah, yeah, I think there's opportunity for it. Yeah, yeah and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if I encounter something like that before the game, I've finished the game. Gotcha. But uh, aside from that, I, I won't talk about it too much, but Genshin Impact just had its big two... Big 4.2 patch update, Masquerade of the Guilty, and I spent my entire long three-day weekend, thanks to the holiday, appreciate you veterans, um, playing through all of that, conquering all of the new story and exploration stuff, and I'm like 100% done with it again, so mm -hmm. now I got that game sort of back in maintenance mode. Um, aside from that, I did have one game pickup in the last week. Um, a brand new 3DS game has come out. This is Shakedown Hawaii. This is uh, a limited release, only 3,000 copies of the standard, as well as 3,000 copies of the um, 
limited edition that they had that came bundled with like a little action figure. Mm-hmm. And Shakedown Hawaii is from the creator of Retro City Rampage. Yep. And the creator of Retro City Rampage is largely credited with creating the first, he was the first guy to come up with the limited print distribution. Right. So back in the day, back in like 2014, 20, I think it was 2014. Uh, I thought it was earlier, but maybe. Um, I know it was the year that PlayStation experience happened, so mm-hmm. I think that was 2014. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, he, he put out a really limited release of uh, Retro City Rampage for PS4, and I think it was only like 1,500 copies or something like that. And uh, that's where the guys at Limited Run got the idea to release their games in a limited print format like that. And now it spawned an entire industry. Yeah. So uh, the creator of Retro City Rampage went on to make another game in a similar vein called Shakedown Hawaii. And both of these games are like old school, top down, Grand Theft Auto style games. Like Grand Theft Auto 1, 2, and 3. Um, And... Uh, that game originally came out quite a while ago. It did, yeah. So while it's not new to 3DS in terms of um, its digital release happened many years ago, mm-hmm. um, the 3DS release physical copy is just became available last week, and they got it to me the same week after I purchased it, I think on Monday. So I'm curious how he was able to do a physical run. He he had the cart. He's held on to the cartridges. Okay, so he know. just now released them. Exactly. He printed them before the deadline. Got it. Yes. Okay. So I mean, maybe it was like a manufacturing delay. You know, he does things like himself. Right. Um. So uh, you know, he doesn't. He's not a big company like Limited Run is right, at this right. point. Now, Limited Run supposedly set, has said earlier this year that they have another 3DS game that they haven't announced mm-hmm. that they still plan to distribute. Um, that they already have, you know, assembled and manufactured and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so limited run. Uh, there seems to be this race, not not really a race so much, but like there's a few publishers who seemingly still have 3ds games that they haven't physical 3ds games that they haven't uh, released to the public yet. Um, same goes for Vita. Uh, there's still a couple companies, but or specifically Nicholas people they we know confirmed have unreleased Vita games that they haven't sold yet one um, so one that I'm aware of and I only know this because certain um, the hole punched PlayStation yeah. copies have leaked yeah that's um, where the, that's how we know the, that Nicholas has Vita games they haven't released yet right um, but uh, Super Meat Boy um, no that did release it did? Yeah. Uh, Limited Run released that last year. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Sony does this thing where they give employees free copies of games, but they have a hole punch through the UPC code on the back. Right. So some games that haven't been distributed yet have leaked through these weird sealed hole punch employee copies. They they give them to devs as well. Yeah. Um, I received one from PlayStation for uh, Last Guardian. Oh, they sent you one? Uh, yeah, on PS4. Okay. I know at PlayStation Experience, there were a couple of the years where there were just guys walking around with bags of games, these hole punch games, and they were just randomly handing them out to people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just I like... got one of those too. I think it was um, 
Paradox. Oh, I forgot the name of the game on PS4. Okay. An indie game on okay. PS4. Yeah, I have I have a Vita game with a hole punch, uh, a, a Otome visual novel. Mm-hmm. Those are like romance novels for. They're made for women primarily, right? Um, and I have a couple. I got like a copy of Rocksmith, which is that like learning guitar game mm-hmm. um, where you plug in like a real guitar to your console. Um, that game, I have a whole bunch copy of yeah. that. And then there's one other game I have a whole punch copy of as well. But anyway, some some indie devs were not happy about those whole punch copies going out because they spoiled their releases. Right. And that's seemingly why Nicholas has still yet to release their couple of Vita games that they have. Right. So I mean, yeah, that's I I think the whole punch copies are something that people haven't caught on to as much yet. Right. But that's like a whole other. Oh yeah, like, you know, there's like people, version of the game that's yeah. rare and, because it's sealed, right? Like just as well as like any game, like the whole punch isn't punched through the cellophane. You have to keep it sealed. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise, there's yeah, no evidence. Anyone that, can have hole punched it. At exactly. Point. Yeah, and these seals are like the the you know the special fold that like you can really only do at like the manufacturer level, right? Um, the Y fold, they call it. Right, not it's like, not shrink wrapped. Yeah, unfortunately, the Shakedown Hawaii release is shrink wrapped. Oh, okay. And he made sure people knew about that in advance. He's like, it's not possible for me to get the manufacturer Y fold any longer. Mm-hmm. So he's like, these are all shrink wrapped. So just so you're aware, which is good of him to do because, you know, if he hadn't said anything, people would have been disappointed when they got it. So you're going to keep it sealed? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. And now, I mean, at this point, any 3DS game that comes on the market, I could probably play it a million different ways. Mm-hmm. I just, it's more of a, a weird collectible auditor. This might very well be the last 3DS game, although that's happened like twice in the last year and a half or so mm-hmm. that I've purchased the last 3DS game and seemingly a new one still comes to light. Right. But I'll keep grabbing them. Like I said, I know Limited Run, they've already confirmed they have another one they haven't announced yet. Mm-hmm. So I know I got that to look forward to. Um, but yeah, anyways, I this guy, he started a huge industry trend and you know I think his name is Brian uh, last name starts with a P. It's like Provacino or something like mm-hmm. that, and I apologize, Brian. I'm I, I think we've both met him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been accessible at PlayStation Experience. I think almost every single year. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, he, there was a note included with the game that said his next game would be made 100% for dead consoles. Oh, okay. So like it, I mean, I'm sure it'll probably eventually get released on modern platforms Mm -hmm. but yeah it was like my next game is going to come out for like truly genesis and super that kind of stuff yeah Yeah. cool um so interesting you know i'm glad he's at that point in his life he's probably made enough money off these couple of games he's gonna make a ton more money doing oh yeah yeah and i mean ultimately like shakedown hawaii and retro city rampage released for like 10, 15 different platforms each, mm-hmm. like ranging from like yeah. DOS. He, yeah, he's ported that around yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, which is cool. You know, have your game on so many different things officially. Why not? Yeah. Um, aside from that, I don't have anything else. All right. So um, that's all really interesting stuff. Um, I don't have something that interesting. Um, I did order off of Limited Run. Um, 
the Persona 3 uh, portal, portable version. Um, I actually bought it for all three consoles. So they had it available for... Switch, PS4, and Xbox. So you might say you're something of a Shimigami simp. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but I've always been that. And um, I love Shimagami Tensei. I love Atlas. Right. I love them almost as much, if not as much, as Square Enix. You know. So yeah. I... So for those of you that don't know, Shimagami Tensei is a long-running series, mm-hmm. and the Persona games are a spin-off of the Shimagami right. Tensei series. So Persona One was actually called Shimagami Tensei Persona. Right. Um. Shimigami Tensei has been going on since the original Nintendo like console. Like the 80s. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It, so I think the first three Shimigami Tensei were games... Were on the Famicom. Were on the Famicom. And then there was Shimigami Tensei If, which was like some alternate timeline mm-hmm. thing. Um, like a what-if scenario. Right. And then uh, I believe it, the series went towards, like gravitated towards Sega... And then that's when it actually started becoming called Shin Megami Tensei. Okay. Prior... It was Megami Tensei. It was Megami Tensei something. Okay. Um, And yeah, so since then, there's been numerous installments. My favorite has always been... My first uh, was Nocturne. Okay. Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. Uh, re-released on Switch now called Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. They right. added the 3 like retroactively to that Okay, title. interesting. Um, the original Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne also featured Dante from Devil May Cry. That's right, it had the little, the infamous logo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was it, it it played with my brain, like it, yeah. it affected my development as a person. As like, a child. Yeah. And um yeah, so ever since then, Shimigami Tensei has been a big thing for me. The Persona series, though, has blown up, and some might even say, mm. in terms of popularity, surpassed sure, Shimigami Tensei. Sure, sure. So um, we could compare this to Mario versus Yoshi, in a way. Sure. Yoshi absolutely began as a Mario title. Right. Right, and then Yoshi started getting... Its own games. Its own games. Um and yeah, it has become its own thing. Right. And Persona has enough um, mechanical uniqueness from Shin Megami Tensei to be its own, right? Uh, you know, franchise, and that's fine. Right. It's still within the Shin Megami Tensei oh, yeah. umbrella, it's still in the family know. for sure. Right. Um, so this particular version of Shin Megami Tensei Three Portable was originally released for PSP mm-hmm. a long time ago, and right. it's considered like the the ultimate version of Shin Megami Tensei 3. Right. Or Persona or 3, Persona excuse 3. me. Yeah. Um, so, and now they've... It was ported to PC, I think, a year ago or two years ago. And then last year, it got digital-only releases on PS4, Switch, and Xbox. And now this year, Limited Run has managed to convince Sega slash Atlas to let them release physical copies. And they've really stressed... Um, limited run that is has stressed that like this is a very special arrangement Mm -hmm. and these games will not be sold at retailers elsewhere these Mm -hmm. games will not be distributed in other territories physically like this is going to be a north america only thing Mm -hmm. a lot of times limited run games ended up getting 
sold by other retailers. Um, you know, retailers can place orders with Limited Run, and now Limited Run gives these retailers like a discount for large bulk orders. Right. But Sega slash Atlas specifically forbade Limited Run. Yeah, Atlas has always been this way with their production numbers. Uh-huh. Uh, if you go back to you know their past titles, they had uh, one of the Shimigami Tensei spinoffs was Jack Brothers on Virtual Boy. Extremely oh, yeah. low production. Like and Atlas games historically. Yes, exactly. Until very recently. All of the Tactics Ogre games are super low production. All of them. Yeah. Ogre Battle, you know, all of those are... Yeah, not just the games they develop, but the ones they publish, yes. too. Back in, like, the PSP, PS2, Game Boy Advance. Um, Touch Detective on Nintendo DS. I'm going way obscure now. You know, that's actually... Nicholas just announced a remaster of Touch Detective 1, 2, and for the very first time, Touch Detective 3 is going to be releasing in the West on Switch as a combo pack. That I'm interested in. I will be buying that. Yeah. I beat the first two. Loved them. Okay. Loved those games. Fungi, the little pet character. I've always been curious about them, and I was like, these are like DS obscurities now. Oh, dude, they're like... I didn't think anything of them when I first started playing them, but mm-hmm. as soon as I played them, it was it's one of those point and click mystery type, right? Um, really good. Yeah. It's dark, but yeah. it's also cute. Yeah, it's dark and cute. Yeah, um, yeah, love those games. So, yeah, that's getting. Re- I think early first quarter of next year that's coming out. Okay, uh, and again, Touch Detective Three. Never released yeah, in the West I've before. Never even, I didn't even know there was a three. Exactly. So that's that's pretty cool that, you know, Nicholas does some questionable things, mm-hmm. um, but this is like, this is a pretty cool get for them. And you you better keep me, it. like, in the loop. Oh, yeah, it's already available for pre-order at all major retailers. Okay, I'll yeah. be doing that as soon as we get done. <laughs> it's not a limited, although Nicholas does have on their website, and this is N-I-C-A-L-I-S, not Nicholas like the name. Um, if you buy the version from their website, it includes a full color like manual, which mm. the regular retail release will not have. Interesting. So if you want to get like a limited variant version of it, that's where you go. Okay, I'll be doing that right now <laughs> we're gonna take a break everyone <laughs> um okay so and uh you've been playing anything yeah so i i have been continuing my task chore of the zeo drifter <laughs> speed run trophy you sound a little soured on it uh, at this point i'm really kind of feeling like i'm approaching like the 43 minute mark and uh-huh. I'm looking at what's left and I'm like this is not it's not coming like, together yeah I'm spending so much time resetting and doing the same like chain mm-hmm. of gameplay from one save point to the next and like 10 times yeah and I'm just I'm killing like 2 hours and accomplishing sometimes nothing <laughs> and this is like I don't know I'm not great at dodging every enemy. Right. You know, I I consider myself a skilled gamer, 
but I'm not a speedrunner. Right. You know? It's a different mentality. Like, when I play a game, I want to eliminate every enemy from the screen. Right. And then move on. I, yeah. You, know? you want to engage in combat right. as you were intended to by the game design. But if you're a speedrunner, you, you want to avoid as much of that as possible. You literally yeah. try to jump over yeah. all the, you know, you only every shoot. Every obstacle. You only shoot if it's like there's no surpassing it right. otherwise. Um, and I'm just not great at that. If I fall, like, in the liquid or whatever, that's it. I have to reset, you know? And it's to that point now where I'm just kind of like, I don't think I'm going to make this. You know, the boss battles take just too long. Right. Like, I'm going to get to the point where I'm saved right in front of the final boss, and I have... Like three minutes to do, you know, that I like, I'm fearful of that position, right? So I'm kind of losing just emotional interest, Mm. you know. I like to play based on what I feel. I feel like you should still finish your playthrough, even if you don't get the trophy, so you can say, Hey, I did it in an hour and three minutes, you know. Yeah, but. You know, I, I don't know. I, think that might I could be more. doing so much better things with my life. Oh my you know, that's I could have told you this two weeks ago. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, well, you know, I didn't think it would be this difficult. Right. I thought, like, if you know that you have to hurry, you can do it. Right. But, no, this is actually a f- real freaking challenge. Like, they're actually... Like, they timed themselves and then subtracted three minutes... Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm I'm not, like, going to delete my save file, obviously. So I could always come back to this, but I don't know how much time I'm going to invest in it. I could be playing, you know, new games. New games. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of... That's how I've always felt about speedrun kind of stuff. It's like, I, I don't want to play the same game again. Like, there's a finite amount of time. I know? did already beat this game. Yeah, I've already exactly. seen it. So... Yeah, uh, so. I mean that's a bummer to have spent as much time as you have, and I, I mean it's it it's all it's all learning experience. That's true. But now this, you know never to try again. This speed run stuff is a chore. It's not like I can't call this fun. I like watching speedrunners. Oh yeah, absolutely. But me what? doing it myself. Like if you are a speedrunner and you're listening to this, I salute you. I respect you. I'm not talking down about speedrunning as a medium or whatever. you want to call that um but this is not for me yeah i don't think it's that fun (laughs) i i'd rather play a game like a new game okay Um, so that's it for that's it for that (laughs) have you have you been up to much of anything i don't think either of us really have right not really um getting this music set up with matthew yeah um which is great we have that i know that was a collaborative thing between the two of you yeah it was um, so again, yeah, thank you, Matthew, but also thank you, Rick, for working with him to yeah, for get sure. us this awesome piece. We're slowly building this thing, and it's, yeah. it's coming. Another major piece has yeah. come. I mean, this is a this is a big part. This makes us feel, you know, like we're one of the big boys now. Yeah, exactly. We have something professional to show. Now we just need the big bucks. Yeah, though, big bucks for big boys. <laughs> Um, I haven't done much of anything lately, but this weekend I am going to the Genshin Impact concert in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. This is at the Peacock Theater 
formerly known as the Microsoft Theater, mm-hmm. formerly known as the Nokia Theater. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, the concert, and I'll definitely have a lot more to say about it when we next record. Do, um, do you know who's going to be there? Is the composer going to be there? Uh, I don't know if there's any special guests or not beyond, you know a huge orchestra Mm -hmm. uh but yeah i will definitely be carrying a sharpie in my shoe yeah definitely (laughs) i know we are getting like a cool commemorative like ticket thing everyone's going to get something like that as well as like a code to redeem for some goodies in the game Mm -hmm. um so that'll be cool so because yeah genshin impact has not released physically in any capacity right so i mean there's not much to get signed beyond this little commemorative ticket that i might have but i'll keep Um, an eye on the the concert program if there's a program yeah Yeah. believe it or not that's i don't know how common that is anymore um if you if there happens to be one and you happen to be able to like swipe a second one well my girlfriend will be with me so well, you know, there's a possibility if they give out multiple programs. I'd love to have that. I'd love to scan that and yeah. upload it. Oh, I know. I mean, we still, I still have my program from the 25th anniversary Zelda concert in yeah. Los Angeles. Yep, and back in the day. Yeah, we scanned that we in scanned on the Big Beacon. You can yeah. find it if you go back to 2011. Uh, I just actually was there <laughs> oh, like okay. a couple days ago looking. Uh, my iPad has locked up, and now i got to unlock it to look at my notes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're going to get into the news now. Well, not quite the news. We gave ourselves some homework last week before we ended the episode. We were talking about the just-announced Zelda movie. Yep. And we said we would uh, find some actors, do a little bit of fan casting of who who we would... um, who we would want to play the characters or who we think would be a good fit for the characters. So I'll go first. We'll let everyone be anticipation of Rick's picks because mm-hmm. um, he's got some really good ones oh, here yeah. listed. Yeah, you know me. Um, um, I'm all about them celebrities. <laughs> um, you know, we're, I'm talking about actors here, not celebrities. Although there's, it's hard to find the distinction these days. Yeah. Um, okay, so for Link, I said... There's no known actor that I would want to see cast in this role. Like, if they cast someone who's known, I know this is kind of a cop-out answer, but I think I really do think they should do, like, a really intense search for the perfect link. You know, spend five months going through thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Don't interview, don't hire anyone who's a known quantity in the industry. Yes, I think for Link... You don't want someone with an ego. No. Because if you hire someone with an ego, they're going to want to talk. There's that. And then also there's, you know, just the, uh, the fact that they're like, you can, you can place them in other movies in your mind, you know, and you want to see a new face that's Link. I know the new Star Wars movies weren't exactly well received, Mm -hmm. but I know that that's the approach they went for finding... Uh, like the lead actress Ray, mm-hmm. um, they they want they've really kind of found an unknown, mm-hmm. you know. And I think well, m- maybe there's differing opinions on how well that went. Right, um, there are. I do think <laughs> that that's still the right way to do Link. They had the right approach. Yeah, uh, I don't think they did the you know. I mean, a I good don't. Job I, I will it. say I don't think 
Star Wars, let's not get too distracted, but I don't think Star Wars problems are the new Star Wars trilogy. I don't think it's the actress's fault. I don't think it's the it's her performance. I In think some she, instances, it is. Okay, well, I disagree. I think it's mostly the fault of the writers and the people creating. I'm, I'm not talking about Ray specifically. Okay. Though, just the actors in general. Right. Not all of the actors were total unknowns, though. They did pick some names, although most of those people have now become big names right. in the industry. But okay, so for Link, I think they should cast an unknown, a complete unknown. And so from the next three people I'm going to say, so we got Zelda, we got Ganondorf, and then for fun, I threw in Tingle. Mm-hmm. Tingle, the little green. I'm sure he's going to be in the movie. I hope so. If he's I, not, I agree. It'd be I a hope disaster. He is. That'd be awesome. Um, okay, so for Zelda, I, I think L. Fanning should be Zelda. Now I don't know if you know that's Dakota Fanning's younger sister, but now they're obviously adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she has a very ethereal presence to her. Mm-hmm. Um, like she, she could. You know, I don't even know who her. this is, so that, um, that's me. Well, you know. you know, that's a problem. You should have looked at my choices before. Yeah, but I'd rather be <laughs> genuine. Alright, so well let me let me kind of show you what Elle Fanning looks like. She's got I, I got her already. I got she, her She's got an Oh yeah, look. I see it. I see it. Yeah. 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 That would work. I think so. Um she's actually a good actress. And she's got that Helaian look to her. Yeah, like she could be, you know, young Galadriel in the Lord of the Rings movies, you know. Um, If there was ever a young Galadriel, I have no idea. Um, But yeah, I think she would be a good pick for Zelda. Okay, for Ganondorf, because I know they're not, I know they need to cast, um, there's got to be some diversity in the movie. That's just how movies work now. Yeah. They're not just going to cast a movie with all white people. Mm. So for Ganondorf, you know, obviously whoever gets cast as Ganondorf is going to need some green body paint, right? Right. I don't know how else you do Ganondorf. Um, so I think with Ganondorf, you need someone with a big physical presence, right? Yeah. You're on your phone. Time to. I'm back. listening to you. All right. So you need someone with a big physical presence. And I think Idris Elba is a good choice. Okay. Are you aware of who Idris Elba yeah, is? Yeah, I just looked at him. You just looked at him. Okay. So I think with green body paint, I mean, look at that. He yeah. could he I, could That image dark. right there yeah. kind of says yes. Yeah. I mean, I think he could get the dread look thing going on that Ganondorf has. He could... He's physically imposing. Um, Does Ganondorf have dreads? I mean, he has, like, those curly kind of... Uh, curls I mean, aren't dreads. Okay, they're not dreads, but they're clearly, like, predefined, like, hair things going on, okay? I, well, okay, dreads was the wrong word. But I'm saying I think Idris could... I think he could pull that off. I think mm. he could pull that look off real easily. Um, and then for Tingle... I think this actor might be offended because I don't think he he likes to be typecast too much. Uh, well, he has been in the past. He has willingly. Been. Yeah, but I think he's been critical. I know he, there was a moment where he was critical of Disney's Snow White mm-hmm. live action thing, and he said, "Like I think you know where we're going here." Anyways, uh, Peter Dinklage. Mm-hmm. I think he should be Tingle. I think it would be. A fun role for him 
right. to be really flamboyant and silly. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, like, he could just be this guy who pops up a couple times in the movie, you know, helping Link out with some things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, Tingle was my, my silly pick. But, yeah, I wanted to throw... I know a lot of people have been saying they want Danny DeVito to be Tingle. Yeah, I would be on board with that. I could kind of, I could see that too. I would prefer that, actually. <laughs> uh, I mean, Danny DeVito is short and he's rotund. Mm-hmm. He's got the little belly like Tingle well, does. T- part of Tingle's character is that he's very old. The game says forty years old, right? Um, but I think the message there is that he's old. Right. You know, he's an old dude. Like he's this—he's this dude chasing fairies. Yeah, this into his grown <laughs> mid, you know, like middle-aged yeah, man. I kind of wonder what the, the kind of comment they were making when they—just a middle-aged <laughs> man in a tight suit. Yeah, just like what are you doing with your life? Right. Um, yeah, Danny DeVito would fill that. Yeah, and I—I I, I don't know that like Tingle is necessarily a little person. He's short. Right. I mean, Danny DeVito, I don't know his actual height, but I would not be shocked if he qualifies as a little person. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I I think his height matches Tingle a little bit better than Peter Dinklage. Okay. In my opinion. All right. I, I, I think, I mean, if Danny DeVito gets in the Zelda movie... I'm a happy. Oh, I love guy. that. I'd love that. I'm a happy guy. If you there's your you know top tier A list actor, right? You, we don't need any more. Keep Danny DeVito as Tingle. That's it. Um, but uh, I think it's unlikely Nintendo goes that route. Yeah, it's a little too in your like it's distracting almost. If Danny DeVito's in your movie. Yeah, um, I agree. So that's why I thought Dinklage might be. A little under, more of an understated pick. Uh, he's, I would argue, Peter. He's Dinklage. big. He's, he's big. bigger than Danny DeVito in a way. Yeah. Okay. We're being like modern right now. Okay. We're being modern right now. Oh, Game of Thrones. All this other stuff he's been in. Okay. He was an elf. All that. Right. Like, hey, what has Danny DeVito been doing? Okay, Danny DeVito. First of all, he's timeless. Second of all. He's been in, like, 15 seasons of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. Which is still airing to this day. Right, because that's comparable to Game of Thrones, right? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if just as... I mean, like, there's not fervor for the new episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but, like, it is one of those shows that people do just sit down and get around to eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, Game of Thrones, yes, it's like, oh my god, I need to be there. Yeah, you subscribe to Netflix for that. Right. Um, so, I mean, he's one small part of Game of Thrones. You know, that's a huge ensemble. He's in every episode. Every episode, sure. But uh, I, I wouldn't. I don't know that he has he's, like, like if, 45 minutes of so, the hour of screen time. So, does he? I mean, no actor does. Right. But, like, the way the Game of Thrones episodes work is there's a bunch of different storylines going on simultaneously. He's one of them, for sure. Yeah. Um, he is a big part of Game of Thrones, definitely. All right, so maybe he's a bigger get than Danny DeVito. I don't know. Okay, Danny DeVito is more of a legacy actor, and right. he's got big, you know, he was the Penguin and stuff, right. and Batman, et cetera, et cetera. But I will say he has maintained relevancy. Uh, sure. More than a lot of other actors he's, from his era. I mean, he's kind of like a joke household name in a way, I yeah. guess, in a way. Yeah. Um, Beyond that, though, I mean, he's in a TV show. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, Peter Dinklage in a TV show, too. Uh, yeah, they both are. <laughs> and I don't think most of Peter Dinklage's movies have been particularly well-received. Although I did see him in a movie last year. I went to a test screening for a movie that's now out, so I can talk about it, uh, called The Toxic Avenger. Mm-hmm. It's a remake of like a cult indie film from like way back in the 70s or 80s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was really, really good in it. Really funny. I would like to sit down and watch that movie with you. I think sure. you'd get a kick out of it. Yeah, we can do that. But, uh, all right, Rick. Uh, you got any picks for us for your Zelda movie? Do any homework this past week? Yeah, so um, actually I did. Okay. In fact. And you I just ha- left it blank? Yeah, I left it blank because my answer is all unknowns. I want all unknowns. I don't want a single... No? Okay. I No, don't roll your eyes. Because this is... This is the answer I would have picked. I could have done all the research. All right, but that's not fun. I don't care. Okay. I want to be right. <laughs> I want the Zelda movie to be good. Um, I agree with you about Zelda. Oh, okay. You think that's a good pick? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, and that's about it. But, <laughs> like, yeah, she does look the part. Right. And she would be good. I don't know who she is. Right. You know, so she's well, unknown. She's going to be in Kojima's next game. Okay. Death Stranding 2. That's fine. And she's worked a lot with uh, one of Kojima's fanboy directors, Nicholas Winding, Winding Refn. Right. As long as she's not, you know, being in Disney movies and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, she may have been in a Disney movie. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. So, so, I mean, <laughs> she's not in Marvel's Avengers. No, she's not a superhero yet. Okay. All right. Yeah. Although so, it's only a matter of time. Right. Okay. So she's up and coming. Um, there you go. There's your middle of the road actress, you know, between unknown and no. and a list. You know, um, uh, yeah. Some might argue she's a list, but I think she's still. I think she's still a good pick. Okay, fair. Physically, she Link better be an unknown. I do not want anyone that I recognize in that role. I mean, there's a lot of. I went online and I looked at what kind of actors people were suggesting, and it was a lot of younger late or I mean early to mid 20 somethings who like are kind of up and coming mm-hmm. you know like most people probably wouldn't recognize them um but you know depending on how much you have your finger on the pulse of like you do want someone stuff, with some experience I'm not saying yeah. they've never been in anything ever right. but you know when I say no and I mean you're not seeing them on TMZ etc et right 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 um so you know yeah, there are a lot of people out there who have the look, I think, that could pull off Link. Sure. I knew, like, we there was a guy at our high school that looked just like him, actually. You're going to have to tell me off. I don't remember is. his name, but he looked just like him. Rick's daydreaming <laughs> about some dude during high school. <laughs> Anyways. Um, that so guy could be Link. I, I see people who look like Link. Okay. You know, throughout life I've seen a few. Um, so, I mean, the look exists. Um, Ganondorf, same. I'd rather see a non-known actor, like somebody. I mean, there's going to be so much makeup. Yeah, there is. And prosthetics, I think, for Ganondorf. Well, I would. Okay, so like I would expect half this movie to be either CG or practical effects. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So the director who was announced last week, Wes. 
ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out 13 years ago on Twitter, now known as X, yep. um, he had posted about working on the Zelda movie. And this is exactly what he said. He said, first of all, this is one this is january 29th 2010 mm-hmm. he said since i could never even hope to have a chance to direct it the next big motion capture avatar like movie should be the legend of zelda mm-hmm. so what do you think about that what do you think about the next zelda movie being like avatar where we don't actually have actors so consider physically. considering his exact phrasing that does not necessarily mean that he wants Zelda to be like Avatar. That means an Avatar-like movie should be the Zelda movie. Mm. Um, meaning that, like, the the next big world builder, you know, mm. sort of See, I, highly effect, you know, high visual effect. Sure. Movie. So that's maybe what he was saying. But let's let's for a second presume he was saying the Zelda movie and again this is him 13 years ago when he was like a kid sure probably or like a 20 year old I get it um let's say he really did mean that like the Zelda movie should be 100% mocap computer generated you know well, visuals Avatar's not that I mean the the actors Sigourney Weaver is not CG she's a real woman yes okay Yes, but uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. There are human actors, but like... Okay, so you think in this world Link, Zelda, other humans are humans. Right. And well, then you think, they're, they're Hellenians. Well, yeah, but I mean, they're... Uh, what, what do you call... They're humanoids. Okay, humanoid. They have a humanoid right. appearance. So, I mean, no, not necessarily all humanoids should be... Uh, well, if you have motion capture going on, everything is going to be a human. You know, at the end of the right. day. But when it comes to the Gorons, I don't see someone... I guess you could really get away with prosthetics, you know, like extreme prosthetics. Do you think this is a movie where they're going to take time to explore all the different races of Hyrule? I don't. I, there's been no information about right. what kind of story they're going to do, so I'm just not going to theorize right. until we know something. I mean, yeah, part of me wonders: like, is it even is a movie a right choice? I don't think so. I never yeah, did. I feel like it. I do series. think that that one, um, that one trailer mock parody trailer, oh, the old IGN, the trailer, IGN trailer, they, like 2007. They did a good job with that portraying what a Zelda movie might be right. like. Yeah, you know, and if we look at that, and I hope they look at that, uh-huh. you know, I don't think they should try to mimic it completely. But there was like there, uh, there was a potential that glowed from that, right. from that trailer, you okay. know, for a Zelda movie, in my opinion. Um, but as far as like the whole world being CG, I don't know how deep they're planning on going with practical effects. Yeah. It seems like studios this these days they, rarely use yeah, it. Yeah. I think they're probably going to lean more into the CG, which is fine. CG is at a point where it looks pretty damn good. Yeah, it can. When you use the amount of the correct amount of time to make it look right, and the corn guy is back, everyone honking his little horn. 
So yeah, that's gonna be going on in the background. Um, yeah, I guess for me, I I go to the movies. I see a lot of like, oh, well, I wouldn't say a lot. I don't go to the movies nearly as much as I used to. But when I do go to the movies and I go to see a big like blockbuster special effects movie, mm-hmm. I've noticed the special effects are getting worse. Yeah, and that so many times there's like big action scenes involving lots of effects and it's always dark mm-hmm. so that way they can mask right, yeah. you know the special effects behind shadow so they don't have to do nearly as much to make it look good you see that a lot with like um, any sort of monster movies or transformers etc it's always nighttime it's always dark it's always raining yeah you know during Pacific the, rain during the big yeah exactly this, yeah um, a lot was, of Marvel that, that came to mind for me yeah. too um, I stopped going to the movies years ago. I just don't even bother with Hollywood or movies. Yeah. I have games, right? Uh, so still see the Sonic movie though. Yeah, I love a new Zelda game. Yeah, they can put out another game. You know why? Why do we need a movie? But I don't know. Yeah, we talked if, about that last week a little bit. If we're going to make a movie, let's do it right. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll we'll keep uh, everyone apprised as new information comes about about the movie. Uh, but now I think we should move on to some news news. News. And the first piece we have here is PlayStation has now removed the ability to share pictures and videos directly to X, formerly mm-hmm. known as Twitter, yep. uh, from your PS4, from your PS5. Um, so last week, Sony sent out a notification to PlayStation users that PlayStation would not, no longer support uploading media to X. This was effective November 13th, so yesterday. Mm-hmm. I should probably log on and see if I can accomplish it still. Um, but uh, I have. did you ever use this not, feature? I, no, not really. If I did, it was with Final Fantasy XV, but I don't think I did. I know I... A long time ago on PS4, I remember posting some stuff on Facebook when I was still using Facebook, mm-hmm. and I posted some stuff on Twitter. It used to be a handy way to like get a screenshot off your your PlayStation quickly, because right. otherwise you got to like plug in a USB stick. That should copy. still work, though. You should still be able to save local screenshots, right? You can still save screenshots. You just can't share them online immediately right. like that. Now you have to like plug in a USB. Although I think. The PlayStation app um, and PlayStation 5 does let you share screenshots to your phones directly now. Mm-hmm. So there's less of a need to do that. But, uh, yeah, I remember sharing, like, oh, I got this platinum trophy. Let me post the video on Twitter. Let me right. post it on Facebook. Um, I took a lot of screenshots, but I never oh, felt God, the- I take so many screenshots yeah. still to this day. Oh, yeah. During Final Fantasy 16, I made just shy of 1,000 screenshots from yeah. start to finish. That's- that's about what I did. With yeah, I'm 15. Like const- and I love Final Fantasy 16 because whenever you hit the share button, it like does a freeze frame mm-hmm. of the whatever screen you're on, so it like pauses the game, pauses the frame. Yeah, so you don't get like a bunch of motion blur or something when you're taking the screenshot. Uh, Final Fantasy 15 has a character who's a photographer, uh, and that's highly kind of like implemented into that sharing. Yeah, business. there's no photography mode. 
in Final mm-hmm. Fantasy 16. I know that's like a popular thing right. to but, add to big games. But, so Prompto has like all kinds of filters and camera, right. like you know, because he's a photographer. Yeah, you're recording your your road trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And they can do selfies. Like the yeah. whole party does like poses for a selfie, etc. Yeah. So yeah, the screenshots in fifteen are great. Yeah, I took a lot. <laughs> There's like you know you unlock as you level up Prompto. He un, he like learns new filters and stuff mm-hmm. as part of his like skill right. tree. Uh, and that <laughs> I love it. I'm here for you it. You should take a look and see those screenshots. They add up because those screenshots are like in four K yeah, resolution. They're huge. they're huge. So yeah, I had over a gig of screenshots. Yeah. When I when I copy them to my USB and it took hours. The PlayStation Five and PlayStation Four are so slow at transferring screenshots to like a thumb drive for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it took more than two hours to transfer a thousand screenshots, mm. which a gigabyte should yeah. not take that long. I to have transfer. easily two gigs, but it adds up. Yeah. Like it'll start taking a big chunk of your storage space yeah. if you don't oh, ever yeah. manage it. Hundred percent. Um, so, you know, like, you know, these changes, we don't really have confirmation of why PlayStation decided to make this change, but we can speculate yeah. because there's been a lot of changes at X slash Twitter over the last And week. I'd wager that our speculations are correct. So, uh, a lot of, uh, games and apps and third party things that have Twitter API built into it mm-hmm. have seen that those functions cease to function. Right. Um, and so basically Elon has started asking people, hey, if you want to have access to the Twitter API, you need to pay up. Right. And so Sony's probably like, we're not going to pay you to let people upload screenshots yeah, directly to your, your platform. platform. And isn't that crazy? Social media, the way it's designed is users create free content that right. you then insert advertisements in between, right. and you essentially make free money. So you're so he would be asking us to pay him to, create, to be his product. Yeah, exactly. That's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And I'm 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 not as concerned about the longevity of Twitter as some people are. No, I don't think it's going to die. If it were, something will replace it. Yeah. I mean, I'm worried that that thing is Facebook's threads, and I don't really want another social media run by yeah, no, Facebook. Yeah, no. Um, and, you know, I have noticed that, like, a lot of people, I not a lot, but maybe a good chunk of people have stopped using Twitter mm-hmm. over the last year just due to all the insanity going on there. Um, and that's been a bummer. You know, a lot of, like, game developers I follow, a lot of indie devs I follow... A lot of people said that they were going to leave and then didn't. Yeah, I have seen some people come back, too. <laughs> that has happened. But I, I truly have lost some people that I enjoyed mm-hmm. seeing. And I'm not going to go to six different apps right. to see all the what these people are doing. Because they've all chosen to go to a new place, you know. And right. I just, you know, Twitter was perfect. Yeah. I don't know why... Okay, perfect. I know, I wouldn't stretch. call it perfect. That's For my purposes... <laughs> From you know the world of Twitter that I was interested in, I didn't see all the horrible stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like gaming Twitter specifically, like the, the the sphere that I was in, I thought it was a pretty wholesome place. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed being there, um, but yeah, it's definitely shrunk. 
and I think if Twitter does go away, it'll be a huge blow to the gaming community, specifically indie developers and fans that rally around like small niche gaming topics like the Vita as well as like a lot of Japanese developers use Twitter and yeah. like they post all kinds of cool stuff and we have access to that. Yeah. And like for us in our purposes it's a huge tool because yeah. that in some cases is our only access to certain right. people. And for whatever and reason just it being Twitter like you're likely to get a response from people. Right. Like if you were to post on someone's like Facebook page or Instagram account, yeah. they might like block you or something. Right. But because of the nature of Twitter, like you can interact with and get responses from people, famous who, people. Yeah, who you would normally never speak yeah. to you, right. you know, for one reason or another, you know? Right. Like cuz Twitter just has that open environment. And you know, now people are more worried about various things on Twitter and abuse. Um, such as abuse, I should say. And so, like, a lot of people lock their accounts down, so you, like, can't get access to them anymore unless you were following prior, mm -hmm. um, or they just left. And anyways, I don't know, I don't think the Japanese side of Twitter has really, you know, cares too much about a lot of the changes that have been ongoing no, with Twitter. They don't. I don't think it affects them the same way, like, English side of Twitter does. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's been disappointing to watch just these head-scratching decisions occur one after another. Right. Um, and so anyways, I, I mean, do hope Twitter... I don't you know, think all through. of the new decisions are bad, but a lot of them are like, just, you, what? What are you doing? Yeah. You I know? mean, just the fact that, you know, we have to keep saying formally known as Twitter. Even X refers to themselves as, as formerly As formerly Twitter. Twitter. Like, yeah. then why did you change? Yeah. Like, I, I get emails from them, like, hey, there's a, a new update, you know, on X, formerly Twitter. Right. You know, it's like, if you have to keep telling people that you're formerly Twitter, then why not, why did you yeah, ever what, change your what, name? And X, is that's, like, is that supposed to be creative? It's supposed to be edgy and cool. Yeah, like the <laughs> Tesla Model X. Right, you know? yeah, he loves that SpaceX. Yeah, yeah. He loves he the loves letter X. X. Named his daughter Y, I think. The chromosome, yeah, or something. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, yeah, it's uh just bizarre, and I I do hope Twitter pulls through. I don't want it to fail. I I like Twitter. Yeah, we yeah we don't want anything to fail necessarily. You know, there's it would be sad. I I don't know how I'd find all those people again in one place. So we would be losing something that would be special and irreplaceable. Yeah. For sure. You know, more even more so for, like, the gaming community. Yeah. Um, just having access to, like, Japanese game designers and stuff and being able to communicate directly yeah. and, and know what they're doing right. is, like, yeah, invaluable. Like, just, like, a week ago, like, her, the creator of Final Fantasy, Hironobu Sakaguchi, posted on Twitter, like, he was at some shrine and he was... You know, praying for his health and for good fortune on his new project. project. Yeah. Basically confirming that he's, he's got working another project. on a new game or we something. We don't know anything yet, but... I mean, traditionally he's made games, so it's yeah. you can infer that it's probably a game. Yeah, but is it a mobile game? Is it a console yeah, game? Yeah, I know. That's the big question. Like, he's in his... Or I think he's 61. He just turned 61 recently. Mm -hmm. And, you know... There's only so much time left to make a game, you know. I think it's, 
I God, I hope he goes big one more time. Yeah, I really hope it's a console game, yeah. like a big, epic <laughs> console game. Like, give us another Last Odyssey. Yeah, or something in that vein. Yeah, or Last know. Story. Yeah, uh, it's it's time. Yeah, it, yeah, we're due for the it. Gooch, we're ready. But yeah, we're like we. So he his first mobile game was Party Wave. Then he had another mobile game called, called um, Terra Battle. No, before Terra Battle, before there, Terra Battle. there was uh, Blade Guardian. Okay, which they as soon as whatever happened that re- got removed, and my copy of it stopped working. Like I couldn't oh, even wow. launch it. Yeah, loved that freaking game. Okay. It was a tower defense oh, with like I a special like when your Blade Guardian goes mega or whatever. It turns into a ball, and you can roll it around I the map. I remember watching you play yeah, this. Dude, yeah, it was the iPad. coolest thing ever. Lo- like, most underrated thing ever. And then there was Terra Battle. Yeah. And then all this- I really liked Terra Battle. I thought Terra yeah, Battle oh, yeah. was a great mobile game. A lot of literature in that game. Oh, yeah. Which he loves to do. And he did that in, in Lost Odyssey. Um and the gameplay itself was actually pretty fun, even though you're just moving tiles around and stuff. Yeah, it was like a puzzle RPG, like yeah. a uh, like a traditional Tetris style puzzle RPG. Right. And, and then Terra Battle Two came out, immediately flopped hard. Yeah. And then he went quiet for a while. And there was he, Terra Wars after that, I think. Right? I don't even know that Terra Wars saw the light of day okay. I think it was like maybe it did but that was even shorter lived than Terra Battle I thought that Two. was a that was a console title right no no the next game he did with Apple and the name is escaping me that, right now is that what I'm thinking of yeah it's a console-ish game um I would like to play it but unfortunately it's still stuck on Apple TV, Apple yeah. Arcade, right. and I'm just not gonna play that kind of a game on, <laughs> you know, an iPad. Right. So, you know, hopefully one day it escapes. But uh, I wouldn't mind if he just moved on and worked on something new. I mean, preferably we get both someday. Yeah, I mean, statute of limitations. Eventually, he can do a physical release on yeah. some. A lot of Apple Arcade exclusive stuff has eventually released elsewhere. Right. So maybe he's got like a five-year agreement with Apple or something. Just go work on something else and then launch it later. Yeah. Um, anyways, we got a little off topic there. Just a little bit. <laughs> anyways, good luck, Gooch. Um, so our next topic, I'm going to let Rick take the lead on this one. All right. So uh, Sony, again, uh, announces the acquisition of a company called iSize. Now, what is iSize? It's like an iPod, but... No. No? Okay. Not at all. Uh, iSize is a UK company that specializes in deep learning technology for specifically video. Um, Now, this is... Video delivery. Video... Well, I guess, yeah. It's kind of a concept. Okay. I guess they do delivery, uh, but the same kind of deep learning is a... Just a concept that applies to a lot of different sure. things. Um, yeah, they they they're doing this deep learning for the purposes of bandwidth and delivery. Um, Sony bought them, and uh, I'm the uh, their their solutions are purposed for the delivery of bitrate and bitrate saving 
over streaming. Right. Right. So this is Sony acquiring someone to help them in their streaming efforts. Right. Now, in a previous episode, I'm going to do a lot of relating here. Okay. In a previous episode, I talked about NVIDIA's DLSS uh, graphics card, uh, which Nintendo is working with. Presumably. We've heard rumblings that they are. And um, what that was, uh, just a quick recap, is an AI-based structure that sort of samples pixels throughout an image and then draws out or paints out the rest of it on the on the front end. So you giving know. you like fake high resolution image almost. I, it is real. a it, see I it's so hard to call it fake cuz right. it, it is a high resolution image right. that you are getting. It's just it's not, not native. It's not the original data. Right. Um it, so what what these guys are doing is the exact same concept, and I feel like we are seeing a trend, the beginnings of a trend, that's going to pretty much change everything. Okay. Uh, I I expect to see this AI deep learning applied to audio in the future. Mm. I see. I expect it. Yeah. Um. So what these guys are doing is taking video data. Sampling pixels like down the image, you know, mm-hmm. through a, like a dot matrix t- style pattern, okay. I assume, uh, and then transferring that through the internet, you know, or whatever streaming needs mm-hmm. to happen. Maybe not the internet; it could be a, what Bluetooth, whatever PlayStation Portal is going to be, right? Um, and then on Wi-Fi. the f- on yeah, Wi-Fi probably, and then on the front end. You know, the AI software redraws the image. So if 128 by 128 pixels is being sent, right, and what results is a 4K image, think about the implication of how, like, that problem that Google Stadia was facing when it comes to, you know, internet quality for people, you know, in the general population. That this is the solution to that. Mm. Laying down new cables is not a viable solution. That's not going to happen. It's not. It's not. This is the solution. This is the way. This is the industry's solve for that problem. Right. And uh, this AI is. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. How like. We could just keep doing this. We could just keep reducing stuff, and then AI draws it out. So is. Is AI drawing it out at the end? Is something on the user's so side there's of things? Gonna, there, like with any software that involves the internet or networks, there's going to be a back-end part of the software mm-hmm. and a front-end portion of the software. So I guess my question is, does iSize's... Uh, do we know, does iSize require the user to have like certain kind of computational power on the end device where the image is being blown up or is it somehow along the way or at the end of the journey of the data you know it's then being blown up without anything needing to happen on the user's end so what i'm going to assume here because i don't have their source code right i don't know that it's even public uh, right um, like that information is public i'm sure if i did have their source code i could tell you without a doubt uh but the way it makes sense that it would work is on the back end they have software code that takes a, a 4k video mm-hmm. or 
gameplay, right. you know, and which is video, uh, and does the sampling, the pixel sampling, mm-hmm. and then sends the packet being a downsized version of it. I'm really just like doing guesswork when I say 128 by 128. That's a square, image, yeah. So not or, likely. Or it could be you know 512, whatever height width. Yeah, might be different. Be some kind of rectangular right. shape. Right. So I don't know. Even if it's 1024 by by whatever, uh, that's still small compared to 4K. Right. Um, so that packet's being sent to the front end. There is their iSize would then have front end software that takes that packet and its AI runs every frame. Right. This is going to happen every frame. And then renders out a 4K image. So that tells me then that, like, Sony would need... This isn't something that, like, current existing hardware would necessarily be able to take advantage of. Unless maybe firmware updates could... Yeah, firmware updates is how this would be installed on PS5 if they were going to do this on PS5. Right. Or even on PlayStation Portal or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Which they would have they that would be feasible. Right. They would be able to completely replace the software installed on right. your dual sense controller. Right. Not the controller, the uh, the PlayStation Portal. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. PlayStation Portal. I was thinking about the actual Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking about that. Because the controller is on the portal. Right. Yeah, that's probably where your brain went. Um okay, so that's that's pretty so That's kind of like in a nutshell what this Concept is right. the, what they're working on, and again, it's very similar to what Nvidia is doing. Um, Nvidia is just doing it on the graphics card level uh, to be able to render out images that are high intensity, high resource, you know, and just intensive right. on smaller hardware. Right. Um, they're doing it locally without it, any streaming. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're doing it on the performance side of so things. So this is. Almost like DLSS, but for streaming, basically. Exactly. That's the simplest way to put it. Exactly. So you can get away with a smaller bandwidth right. and higher image. So increasing how like the performance and, and not a, making it such a strain. Again, this creates a pattern and and yeah. we're waiting for Microsoft to start jumping on board with the same kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, Microsoft does have a streaming thing. I think they call it X Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some documents from the FCC trial and leak and everything that happened with the Activision Blizzard merger, apparently Microsoft had invested nothing, like literally zero, into xCloud in the last year, the last mm-hmm. fiscal year. Right. Which is interesting to see them kind of backing away from streaming. So my, I, I have like, here's what I think of that immediately. Okay. They're kind of like deprecating that mm-hmm. because they know that it's running on a technology mm-hmm. that's not going to be the future. Right. And they're, you're likely, I think we might be likely to see them start investing in some new streaming I venture okay. that would involve AI. Right. I mean, you think though that, I mean, there's no reason you can't keep the name xCloud, just like I doubt Sony's going to do away with PlayStation Remote Play. They could relaunch it, but I don't see Microsoft or Xbox being super into nostalgia. They might try to come out with something new and edgy. Okay, but they sure. could reboot the name. Yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, it's like a department, you know, the streaming department. Right, you know? right. Um, well, did Sony have anything to say about this acquisition? Did they release a comment? 
of some kind. Um, let's see here. Did they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so, so Sony said this about the acquisition. Uh, the acquisition, and, like, real quick, Sony, you know, we've been talking a lot about the merger that happened between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in response to that, we've been talking a lot about Sony making acquisitions. And while this is not a game developer that they're acquiring, we are seeing Sony doing some acquisitions. Yeah. It's just more in relation to performance yeah. and hardware and, and you know... Yeah, these are strategic sort of long-term right. acquisitions. And that's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to, like, theorize about, yeah. you know. Um, so Sony said this regarding the acquisition. The acquisition provides... Uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment with significant enterprise in applying expertise. Ex- sorry, expertise in applying machine learning to video processing, which will benefit a range of our research and development efforts, as well as our video and streaming services. So they're trying to do exactly what I said. Yeah. Um, yeah it's. I mean, there's. What else do you do with them? I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, Sony is clearly serious about streaming. They they do think there must be really big long term applications. It'll be really curious. The PlayStation Portal mm-hmm. is launching tomorrow. Yeah, this is their first dedicated streaming device. Yeah, um, it's, it's seemingly I, unavailable it, at all retailers at the PlayStation moment. PlayStation Portal though is still just local streaming from console to. Peripheral, right? Yes, your your own personal home console is turning on and streaming yeah. the game to so you. You're it, not streaming something from Sony servers, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, obviously, this is their direction. Yeah, it's streaming. Um, we don't know if that's going to be in a Google Stadia capacity in the future. We probably can assume it is. Really? You think so? I don't think they'll ever... Like, I don't think replacing what they have, right. but adding to what they have. Hmm. So you think maybe, like, hey, everyone, you can buy a PlayStation 7, or you can subscribe to this thing where all you need is a controller. This thing and your that they're doing, this eye size, right. is going to make what Google Stadia's biggest challenge mm-hmm. and roadblock like was it no longer applicable right. like they are this can this can work okay. they can stream call of duty 4k using this eye size technology right. and to anybody you could have a phone you could have a mobile you know what a roaming network or whatever and receive you know dep- i don't again i haven't seen their source code i don't know how small their right. packets are going to get but uh, I, I do wonder if, like, we'll publicly hear about iSize's developments going forward, or if, like, they're just going to be absorbed and just become an R&D arm of Sony. I don't know how public they're going to be after this. Yeah, like, we may never hear I'd, directly. I'm going to be paying attention on the developer side of things, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't, I don't even know how much I'm going to hear there, because this doesn't really impact game development. It... Mo- more just impacts you know them right. and their hardware and their services. Okay, so I think we're we're at an hour and twenty minutes, so I yeah. think we should take a quick break, real quick. That's a good time. Yeah, we'll be right back.
So we're back from break, and uh, I just had a quick follow-up question for Taylor uh, concerning that last topic we talked about, Sony's acquisition of this company, iSize. So when it comes to the acquisitions, like I had just said, um, Microsoft, we see them purchasing a lot of game developers and publishers. Mm -hmm. And here we're seeing Sony investing in services and hardware. Right. Do you think that this is like a smart move for Sony? Do you think it's the right way for them? Because, you know, we had talked previously about Sony kind of being the underdog in this acquisition war that we're seeing in the industry, in a way, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the war is really between Microsoft and Sony more than it really is about Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo's kind Nintendo's of... Nintendo's more of an underdog, I'd say, yeah. in the acquisition world. But between the between Microsoft and Sony... Yeah, like Sony's got a lot to prove now mm -hmm. after Microsoft's big Activision. So so do you think that maybe Sony's acquisitions being invested more in furthering their te technological reach is maybe a smart strategy? Because I, I don't think they could win on just acquiring publishers yeah, given their budget. Right. I don't, th I don't think they have the money to compete with a, a Microsoft-sized purchase of Activision Blizzard. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to... I mean, I, I don't know that I would correlate these acquisitions the same way you would game studio or game publisher acquisitions. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, Microsoft is constantly absorbing little companies all the time you right. know, for various things. I, I would say they both kind of are. Yeah. Even Nintendo, I think it was earlier this year, they acquired, like, a small, like... I don't want to say movie production company, but like basically little short film kind of advertisement esque things. Mm -hmm. And Nintendo's done stuff with like Pikmin, where they make little claymation movies that are like three or four minutes long. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, there's there's all kinds of these weird little acquisitions that right. companies pick up all the time. Production studios that can handle just like trailer, you know, editing and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, I mean, I don't think that you know, people should be disregarding this as not a big deal because this could come back to help Sony in a big way mm -hmm. and, you know, give them an advantage over rivals right. at a certain point in the future. I don't know how significant this acquisition is of iSize mm -hmm. immediately. We may not see the benefits of this for a decade. It could it could amount to nothing realistically. Yeah, never anything. Um but if we look at this optimistically and stuff. Right. Uh and consider this to be Sony investing in like some, you know, streaming edge over right. Microsoft, I think this would be Sony's ticket to winning, in Possibly, a way. Possibly, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, since they can't, like, you know, compete when it comes to acquiring. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's other companies doing similar work to iSize right. with this AI deep learning stuff. I'm sure Microsoft will catch up. And maybe Microsoft's doing it in-house, for all we know. Right. Well, yeah. it sounds like Microsoft's at the point where they're deprecating their old streaming service. Yeah, they're just maintaining it. They're not you know, investing anything extra into it. Right. Uh, I mean, they must see that like not many people are taking advantage of it. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously Sony has seen that. They've seen success with remote play. Right. You know, remote play has been around since like the PSP, PS3. Right. Um, so it's it's something they've been serious about for a long time. And now they're getting even more serious about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever see 
Sony like go truly all in mm-hmm. on streaming games, you know? Maybe they do. Maybe it's an option, maybe it's an add-on. Well, I hope none of them do like go all in on yeah. streaming. I mean, you know, with PlayStation Portal and Remote Play, they're putting the burden on the the user, you know, like you have to have good internet at home. You have to turn on, you know, your PS5 turns on. We're not turning any servers on to give you access to these games. Right. You are your own server. It has been that way so yeah. far. Um, I mean, they do have streaming offerings, and mm-hmm. they've recently brought those to PS5 via PlayStation Plus Premium. Well, th- um, this eye size, from what I'm understanding, is poised to change that. Maybe, yeah. Um, so, anyways, I, I just I think it's interesting because I feel like we're seeing part of Sony's strategy because they know what they're facing with yeah. Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. I mean, I like PlayStation Remote Play, mm-hmm. but I am not. Or I wouldn't say I'm someone who's pro streaming, streaming games. No, you know, neither of us are. Like, I think PlayStation uh, Remote Play has its place, has its usage as a you know, a function. I'm here for the new thing. Yeah. You know, but I don't want the new thing to just replace the old thing. Yeah. You know. I mean, because, like, if Sony's like, hey... I mean, to me, it's like, oh, not only do you not own... Like, if you're buying streaming games... Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, like we said previously, it's worse yeah. than... Than downloading. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. You know, something to keep an eye on. I'm sure if PlayStation Portal ends up being a big success... Sony's going to get a sign that says, hey, we need to keep headed down this path. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll have more on PlayStation Portal hopefully next week. I mean, PlayStation Portal isn't necessarily streaming games. You are still playing the game on your console. Right. But, I mean, if you're streaming a game, doesn't matter if it's coming from your server or Sony's server. It's still streaming the game. Yeah, I mean, it's... I In the case of PlayStation Portal, it's sort of like a wireless alternative. Uh, that, to me, is different. Than, I mean, you can still be in China and your PS5 in California, and you can... That's true. Stream the yeah, game. I, I see your point. You know, like, you can be anywhere in the world. I mean, if the Wi-Fi is good on the space station, you can... As long as I own the game, I'm cool with streaming. Yeah. I, I will say one downside to like owning physical games, if you're like going to really make use of PlayStation Portal, especially if you're away from home, is that like, you know, you can't change your disc when you're in another country. Right, but right. if you had digital games, you could easily switch between them. Right. That's um, true. Yeah. So if you are someone who has a lot of digital games, I will say you're at an advantage over someone who buys mostly physical if you want to make use of PlayStation Portal outside of your home. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So there, there's a perk for, you know, digital folks for sure. Um, but we got to move on because we still got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, so still on the topic of Sony, um, they had uh, some investor-style meeting last week mm-hmm. and... Um, they had previously announced before the investor meeting that they had 12 live service games that would be released by March 26. So for those of you that need a refresher, a live service game is a game where you're persistently connected to the internet. There's usually a big social, cooperative, multiplayer versus kind of component to it. Um, and, you know, these games, you know, for every 10 that succeed, 100 have failed. Um, so the fact that Sony's got 12 of these in development 
and now they're delaying half of those beyond March of 2026, and now they're only expecting six of those 12 titles to release by March of 2026. So right off the bat, I'm going to jump in and say this sounds very Jim Ryan to me, like this direction. Yeah, I mean, Jim Ryan, you know, he's been in charge of PlayStation for like four or five years now, and, you know, these these kind of live service games, they take a long time to cook. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Because it's not just a game you can put out there. You have to make sure you've got all the hooks to keep the players coming back. Yeah. You've got to have that perfect gameplay. It's got to be viewed by a number of teams before, yeah. like, it can. And then, not to mention, you have a lot of back end work. Yeah. Which you don't have in a single player. Right. You know. And, you know, as with all live service games, all these persistent online games, eventually one day, no matter if it's successful or not, the servers will shut down. Yeah, the game and will cease to exist. Any purchases you made, any you know, all of that will eventually go away. Yes, you are paying for a consumable, you know, temporary yeah. product. You won't be able to revisit, and you know, I mean, there's there's few exceptions of live service games, mostly MMOs that have like tra- transcended, you know, more than a decade. That's usually due to fan efforts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if if people had stopped playing World of Warcraft 15 years ago, World of Warcraft wouldn't be online anymore. Right. But even though it's still going, one day it won't. There are other uh, early, more obscure MMO examples. Oh, yeah. EverQuest. EverQuest. It's still online. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but again, that's fan effort. That's not even... I think... No, I think EverQuest? it still gets official expansions and everything. Really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a cheap game to... You know, visually, it's not like crazy demanding or right. anything. They're not like remaking it. Yeah, like it still looks like a twenty-year-old game. Mm-hmm. Um, but RuneScape is still yeah, RuneScape still is still going. Out there. Oh man, I, I, yeah, I've got. I played RuneScape for like two weeks before some guy. I gave some guy my password and I lost my account. Oh, really? Well, he had like the special little badge next to his name that indicated that he was like, like a RuneScape employee uh, or whatever. Wow. And I don't know how, you know, it was JavaScript. So yeah. some dude hacked that stuff into the game. No doubt. Anyways, he's like, oh, your account's, you know, compromised. I need your password. So yeah, I learned my lesson, you know. Yeah, don't ever give your password out. <laughs> you no know, matter I was what. like 12, even if, you know, but yeah. Uh, I was chopping a lot of wood for two weeks. It was I, a bummer to lose that. Yeah, I I remember RuneScape. I played that a little longer than two weeks. I think it was a few months. Uh, I loved the way I was able to make my character look. Yeah. That was my biggest memory. Yeah. I think I had a like, red outfit with a feather in my hat. It was great. Ah, uh, yes. Very, like a, like a dashing yeah, guy. Yeah, like a rake. Like yeah. a, the red mage from Final yeah. Fantasy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so half, uh, you know, Bungie, it, you know, they confirmed and Sony confirmed that, you know, they did have Bungie look at all 12 of these projects and, you know, due to Bungie's review of their portfolio, you know, that's a big reason why six of these games have been pushed out of the 2026 right. deadline. So immediately this reminds me of what happened with Naughty Dog. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no doubt Naughty Dog's live Game service is part of that. Is part of these 12 titles. Yeah. Um, Sony president uh, Hiroki Totoki said, uh, we are reviewing this. We are trying as much as possible to ensure these games are enjoyed and liked by gamers for a long time. Of the 12 titles, six titles will be released by forecasted year 2025. That's our current plan. 
As for the remaining six titles, we are still working on that. That's the total number of live service and multiplayer titles mid to long term we want to push this kind of service. And that's the unchanged policy of the company. It's not like we stick to certain titles, but game quality should be the most important thing. So this tells me that they are still taking the live service thing seriously. They're not pivoting away from live service just because six of these games are being pushed out. Right. But I mean, that's insane to me. Sony's got 12 live service games. Your average player probably has time for one. For one, yeah. One. And here's the thing, too. I That's too many. I mean, I understand that they're probably... Their thinking is probably, let's do 12, and maybe one will succeed. That's what's crazy, is that if you get a live service game that becomes a massive hit, there is so much money to be made that it's worth trying to make 12 simultaneously, even if 11 of the 12 fail. It'll have been worth it just for that one big, massive success. That's Mm -hmm. how much money these live service games can make and generate. uh, To me, this is a super anti-consumer mindset because you're getting players hooked on games that you plan on failing. Almost, yeah. And I I don't know how I feel about that. And then if... They're working on tw- if their studios are working on twelve live service games. How many single player experiences are they working on? Yeah, too? Exactly. some of these studios do not have the capacity to work on two games at the same time. I get that. Like my preferences aren't everyone's preferences, but I know that my preferences aren't unique to just me. No. And there are other people who enjoy single player titles. Yeah, I'd l- much rather have. You know, uh, some single-player masterpieces. Yeah, Sony is known for the single-player cinematic adventures. And it's kind of crazy to see them shifting away from that. Yeah. You know, they they want more of these games that they make one... Rather than making three God of War games, why Mm -hmm. not just make one that generates money for ten years straight? You Mm -hmm. know? And just do little little updates to it. I'm not saying they're working on a live service multiplayer game, yeah. God of War, but it's conf- we know that they are for the Horizon series. Mm-hmm. They're making some kind of live MMO-ish service. Yeah. live service game set in the world of Horizon, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. It's a world worth exploring in that kind of capacity for sure. But um, I, yeah, I don't know. Like it's I don't know if you're going to be able to convince Horizon players that are playing these single-player games mm-hmm. to leave that and switch over to a multiplayer experience. I, I imagine the onboarding process is going to have to be very particular. They're almost going to have to make it feel like you're playing a single-player game yeah. even when you're not. Because Horizon is very single-player. Yeah. It's like the experience leading into the game is a very single-player experience. Um, and for me, like... Playing a live service game, it just feels too much like the game was designed for making money. It it doesn't. It can feel obvious and in your face at times. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, um, so it's I, almost like you have to either find a way to work around it, or you know, not engage with it so much. Uh, you know, my favorite live service games, the ones that I played. W- like, sure, you can spend a bunch of money on it if you want to, but I do think you should be able to do everything the game has to offer 
without spending money on I it. I agree. Yeah. I think most people agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think there are some amazing, wonderful live service games, and I do think the developers are doing a great job of maintaining it and adding to it. I can I'm beating an old drum here, but Genshin Impact and now Honkai Star Rail, um, you know, like, I don't mind giving them five bucks a month, you know? Like, yeah. that's... I mean, I don't talk about this when we talk about what we're playing, but I do turn on Pokemon Go every single day. Oh, yeah. I do my dailies, and yeah. I I pay money. That and is... I'm, I'm happy to pay money because it's part of my life. Right. Like, I, I don't mind investing a few bucks. I know that the game's not going to exist at some at point. At some point. Um, but, you know, it's a little different because you can transfer Pokemon. Yeah. Um, you can get things out of Pokemon Go. Right, exactly. And... Uh, I pay for that. That's the only live service experience that I hold on to. Right. Um, I can't imagine playing like Overwatch. You know, right. like every day. I mean, or and, even any of Niantic's other games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I did play Ingress for a while, uh, and it's fun. Yeah. It's very fun. Uh, there's you a, haven't held on to it the way you've held on to Pokemon no, Go. No, of course not. Yeah. I, I do think, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but. Like, I think, if not for the Pokemon IP, I don't know how compelling Pokemon Go truly is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, they've tried to slap the like the Harry Potter skin on Pokemon Go, and that game is already shuttered, you know? Right. Um, I think that Pokemon... they I do praise Niantic for the constant addition of new mechanics that they are introducing to Pokemon Go. More recently. I enjoy routes. Um, I haven't gotten the opportunity to engage with this party stuff that right. they implemented. Um, my biggest issue with Pokemon Go, I don't mind having, you know, Niantic obviously their whole thing is they want people to be physical, people to get out. Right. Uh, they don't want to cater to people using remote raid passes. Well, you know why that is, though. You want your location data. Right. They sell that oh, location yeah. data for big money. Yeah, oh yeah, that's big money. You're right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they, they like to frame it as like, we want people to get out there and be yeah. healthy and be active. And sure, that's a great side benefit yeah, of playing and, Pokemon Go. You know, they are... I mean, I don't think that's a lie outright lie but yeah sure they are probably concealing with that their intention of getting your location data right um if we take the official narrative right you know at face value um their ambition according to them is to get people outside walking etc yeah and uh sometimes that can be a barrier um because you just the need to rely on other people mm-hmm. to do raids, get Pokemon yeah. that you otherwise. I, can't I feel get. like since the pandemic, since we've sort of come out of it, it's a lot harder to find people playing in person. Now, sometimes there's these sort of like focused areas where people know they can go mm-hmm. to find other players. But when you're just like that on any street corner, it's harder to find people to do things. Exactly, I think, and that doesn't a, that doesn't apply to everyone. That benefits people in cities and stuff. But you know, oh yeah, there sure. are people who don't live in cities. If you live in enough. downtown Los Angeles, but if you're in the suburbs like we are, yeah, it's 
you know, sure, you you stumble on people sometimes. Yeah, you do. But other times, you know, you're just like SOL when you're trying to yeah. do a particular and raid. I do see an effort from Niantic with, like, campfire and stuff to try to counteract yeah. this barrier. Uh, but it's not enough to make... Yeah, I don't know. This is... It's still a problem for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, campfire's cool... It's been helpful on a couple occasions for me when I see people lighting flares. I was like, oh, there's players over there, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I play Pokemon Go too. I don't, I kind of, I sort of have an off and on thing. I'm never totally off, but there are times where I get way more into it and I'm like really enthusiastic about it. And there are other times where I'm just kind of logging in, doing my daily stuff real quick and then closing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you spend a fair amount of time with the game. Well, daily. I have a job that like pretty much, Allows me to do a Pokemon Go expedition every single night. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just in relation to live service games, great example of a game that you pay for, you pay, you know, for coins and in-game currency. Yeah. That's And that's that's as far as I go Yeah. with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine I'm not alone. No, no. I mean, there's, you know, there's this term in the live service community and the mobile game community called whales. Mm-hmm. And a whale right. refers to a player who spends a lot of money on free games, you know? Mm-hmm. So like Genshin Impact, a whale would be someone who spends, you know, $2,000 every time a new character comes out to make sure they unlock every little node on the characters, you know, tree and you know they get the they get the best weapon at max refinement and uh you know those players they're essentially funding the game for a lot of other players who don't really spend any money on the game and on one hand i'm like hey if someone has that kind of money laying around and they want to spend it on that I guess it's okay. Right. My concern, though, is for they don't people have that who kind of don't money. have that money, <laughs> right. and they're ruining their relationships. They're, they're yeah. maxing out their credit cards for... Ruining their lives, basically. Yeah, and that does happen. Yeah. That happens oh, yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, people have died yeah. playing. Yeah, because, like, the shame and regret. Well, also, they they sit there too long. And, right. Well, you know. yeah, that's another problem. That can happen with any game, yeah, though. True. But, uh, yeah, like, I mean, horrible things have befallen people who have spent too much money on these games. You spend beyond their means because yeah. of addiction. Yeah, and these games are designed to be addictive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So They, they have psychologists. Hired. Hired. Yeah, that help them make the game addictive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, from anything from sound effects to visual little cues that appear on the screen, like it's all designed to release those. It, it's and, funny. So, just as a aside, as a developer, I like to go to these video casinos and stuff when mm-hmm. I'm whenever I'm in Vegas or anywhere Laughlin, whatever. Um, and I will, I'm happy to spend quarters and yeah. lose them. So I can rev- like videotape mm. like the animations and stuff. Yeah, I glean so much like style and a- animation like you know tips from that that like I can go home and when I'm working on Seraphim make enemies explode the same way you know you know like yeah. release those dopamines. Yeah, because that that is fun. I'm not trying to monetize that stuff. Right. Like know? yeah, there's a different. I mean those those tactics are used in games. You know, all over the place, not right. you know. But I think it's even more scummy 
when it does become the sort of casino-esque, you know, mm-hmm. random factor where, yeah, it's just, uh, it's bad news, you know, like, so be careful, you know, like, I play Genshin Impact, I spend responsibly, I spend very within my means, way under, I could spend a lot more on the game and be fine, right. but I just choose not to, because it's almost pointless, there's no point in having your character be that powerful there's no content in the game i can't already do mm-hmm. so what's the point in like going way over the top to make them like the best ultimate version of that character right when i don't need to do that right so and just knowing it's not going to exist that's yeah point. yeah that's the other <laughs> bit like i'll feel better if after 10 years genshin impact sunsets and all i've ever done is spend five dollars a month on the game and so let's say I've sunk $500 into it by the end, you know, mm-hmm. like I'll be like, you know what? I got $500 worth of value out of that game. Yeah. You know, like I spent, you know, by the end, you know, 6,000 hours at the game. I'd be happy with that. You but know, if I was someone who had spent $50,000 on the game by yeah, the end, right. I'd probably be ready to jump off a cliff. Yeah, that would, that would do it. Um, it's fine spending on money on consumables. Like you would go to Disneyland, you'd pay what one hundred fifty dollars now yeah. to get in. You're going to spend the day there, and then that one hundred fifty dollars is gone, and you right. have nothing to show for it. Yeah, your memories. But you have memories, yeah. and you had fun. That's you know? what I have from like and, my days playing World of Warcraft. I got my memories. And if you have the money, that's okay. Yeah. You're spending on entertainment. Yeah, and I, that's how I justify what I spend in Pokemon Go. But you got to be okay. But at the end of the day, that is going to be over. Yeah, it's going to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I am. I mean, home will live on, and there'll be a successor to home someday, no right. doubt. You know, so that will continue. I mean, I don't think Pokemon Go is going anywhere anytime soon. No. I mean, it may last through most of our lifetime. It could. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's my take on live service. Uh, yeah. I think, I don't know, what does this say to you about Sony's financial state about their obviously they're still all in based on their statement mm-hmm. you know with live service and stuff but just I'm talking specifically about the delaying of six of these titles I mean 12 live service games simultaneous is a huge amount of you know production right. going on at once um, but how do you feel about I mean, for me, everything everything about the story screams Jim Ryan. Um, well, so, you know, I thought that too. But then when Sony president says, hey, this doesn't mean we're changing course. We're right. still doing this. We're st- If it was Jim Ryan's vision that got us here, they're not straying from it. Right. They're not, like, canceling six of their games. Despite Jim Ryan leaving Sony, he's still there currently. He, he He's in sort of a weird transitional state. Um, You know, I think if they were that unhappy with his direction, you know, he he would have just left immediately or vacated immediately. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there is sort of a transitional state he's in right now. Some of his duties have already been assumed by others. He's probably helping catch people up to speed, maybe helping find his successor, his official final successor. Because right now there's just sort of like going to be an interim person. Mm -hmm. Um, Right, right. Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, Sony's working on twelve unannounced live service games. Most mostly, unannounced, mostly, yeah. mostly unannounced. Six of which have now been delayed till the following year, twenty twenty five. Well, 
beyond March. So forecasted year of 2025 would be uh, March 2025 to like the end of, or April 2025 to March of 2026. Gotcha. So now these other six games are coming out March 2026 and beyond. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Or April 2026, I should say. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the end of that. <laughs> we got, we've been getting off topic a lot this yeah. episode, but some good discussions have been coming from it, but we do need to move along cause we still have a few stories we need to talk about. So unity is back in the news. Um, they, uh, have said that they likely are going to implement layoffs and this is despite an increase in revenue and a, re- a reduced reduction in losses uh, reported. Again, um, like the previous story, this was probably reported on in one of their uh, shareholder meetings. Yeah, last week, so many companies held their financial results in meetings and things like that. Right, and that has to do with quarterly, you know, stocks and sales yeah, and things. all that stuff. Uh, so, if you remember in my previous, our previous episode where I did talk about Unity, I think it might have been an episode one. I think it was episode one. Um, John Riccitello, uh, Riccitello who is the CEO, current CEO of, of outgoing. Unity. Outgoing. Outgoing. Um, he will be gone by the end of the year. Uh, um, he would be doing these layoffs on his way out the door if this happens just in time for christmas yeah just just in time for christmas not even a month after the decision being made to lay off how x amount of employees after previously laying off 600 employees back in may which was four percent of their total staff yeah so they've already done a huge round of line four percent doesn't sound like a lot but 600 people that's a lot of people's livelihoods that, that have yeah, just come just falling to the ground Great, like unity is not unity anymore and that's my feeling and i think i share that feeling with a lot of users and developers and a, unity developers, unity developers. Yeah, yeah um so um and all of this not to mention the previous controversy, which is still kind of an elephant in the room, being the model that they proposed for uh, initial engagement fees, mm-hmm. previously called install fees, um, where they were going, they are still going to charge 20 cents, up to 20 cents per initial engagement for every game powered by Unity. Um, going forward yeah you know um with certain exceptions based on numerical right business we discussed this ad nauseum ad nauseum i'm not trying to rip that open again um so thankfully you know there haven't really been any new developments on that front yeah seemingly sticking yeah they they initially came out with something very egregious then walked it back hard uh, with a new proposal yeah. uh, that was a little bit more beneficial. Still kind of favors the big developers, right? Uh, but it's still not as painful, yeah. just in general. Um, but anyways, yeah, so Unity layoffs again a sec- for a second time this year. Jim, or um, not Jim, again, <laughs> I confuse him in my that. head. Um, you know, John Riccitello, uh on his way out, 
just, you know, he could just, you know, be a CEO and sit there in his chair, but no, right. he's got to continue making decisions, you know, um, laying off more people, just, you know. Even though they their revenue has increased and their losses have been reduced, they still <laughs> want to lay off more people. Yeah, like. I guess they're still probably not profitable. Or not I mean, profitable. I think they're profitable. I think their shareholders probably want more profit. Yeah. You know, and they'll... Not profitable can mean a lot of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it could mean that they're just not getting the amount that they want. Right. You know? I mean, we talked about Sony getting such a small return. Yeah. Uh, you know, from all their revenue, they're only taking in a little bit of like actual profit so maybe right. maybe unity's bringing in a lot of revenue like they said they have increased revenue or the shareholders investors haven't been repaid in full yet yeah. for their investment amounts but back in may when they let go of the four percent of employees the 600 employees mm-hmm. um you know this news went got hot on the unity developer forums yes and uh, one user who made the topic, made from Polygon, shared the nude with developers back in May. And this led to a, like, 12-page topic, uh, you know, and a lot of the developers were mourning the loss and, yep. you know, saying all kinds of things about Unity, how they changed, they're not the same. And, you know, the the thread was eventually shut down by one of the forum's moderators, yep, presumably you. a volunteer moderator. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they closed the thread because it had run its course. Right. It, uh, that's the reason they gave. It couldn't be more on the nose, yeah, really. You, you gotta love when the moderator decides it's time to end discussion. Yeah, Nobody needs to talk about Decides this what we can talk about and what doesn't need to be talked about further. Um, and what he said, uh, that being, um, made with, pol- ma- uh, made from polygons, um, it wasn't even that controversial. It's just his opinion. It's just stating a fact. Just stating honestly. a fact, really. Um, Unity is cutting another 600 jobs. This is back in May when they cut 600 jobs. Uh, in search of long-term profitability, quote-unquote. Uh, thought, um, thought forum users may want to know and couldn't see anything on here about it. Meaning nobody else had posted on the forum yet about this topic. Right. Um, other users chimed in. Um, hopefully this is the last set of layoffs, but I doubt it. Quite a mountain Unity has to climb still, and that's the opinion quote-unquote part that I... Yeah. Um, so... And, and as we now know, that was not the last round of layoffs where... The, yeah, that, that was Yeah, so the user was correct, but again, he, we can't be talking about this. This has run its course. Right, yeah. Um, we, we don't want to talk about our dirty laundry in public. Yeah, and on our own forums. Yeah. The, the Unity that I started developing with, this looks nothing like them, you know. Um, but just... I don't know what to say here. This is just more from Riccatello. Just <laughs> hopefully we won't be hearing much more from him beyond this. Yeah, I mean, one last hurrah to I mean, imagine, screw everyone. Imagine you're an employee at Unity. It's the middle of November. Mm-hmm. Your CEO has just said, "Hey, we're going to lay off more people before the end Your of the year." Your CEO, who you no doubt like or don't like, don't like, don't like. 
who's already announced his resignation. So now you've got to spend the next six to seven weeks wondering if you're going to have a job yeah. by the end of the year. It just, I don't understand it. These these suits, these bit, and when I say suit, I'm going to get a little specific. I'm talking about business majors, people who graduated from schools of business who are in the gaming industry serving as CEO or high-ranking C-level executives. Um, John Riccatello, uh, Jim Ryan, um, a lot of these CEOs that we talk about, you know, they don't have a background in game development. Some of them do. Some of them started out way back in the day, 20 years ago, in game design or in QA. But, um, you know, now just they move from from company to company just wrecking stuff mm-hmm. and then resigning and then just Moving getting on hired to another company getting a job again doing the same thing yeah hey i ruined this other company you know let me come work for you <laughs> i guess there must there must be some appeal to the shareholders from these guys that we're not seeing as you know end users um and so yeah i mean they must they must like these layoffs they must like having a guy who will do the dirty work for them i I don't know but uh uh, like you had mentioned to me phil harrison when we were talking privately we really don't have time to get into phil harrison right now but like just as another example yeah look him up he's a guy who's gone from company to company from company for like the last 15, 20 years. I'm sure he will come up in the future. And just leaving disaster in his wake. Um, we gotta move on. We got one more big story and then a, a shorter story we want to talk about. But uh, first, we're gonna talk about some YouTuber drama. Um, yeah. Now, this has to do with the completionist um, whose name is Gerard Khalil? Khalil? I don't know. The completionist. Yeah, we're just going to refer to him as the completionist. Um, He has been lying about funding dementia research for the last decade. Mm -hmm. Now, YouTube journalist Carl Yopst did a quick deep dive onto the completionist foundation, the Open Hand Foundation. So this foundation is run by the completionist and his family. It was formed in the wake of their mother's death to help fund dementia dementia research. Through their IndieLand events, this is the completionist, he hosts these uh, big streaming events where a bunch of big indie devs show up. Mm -hmm. There's even celebrities. There was one... uh, Oh gosh, what's her name? Um... Uh, you're looking know. at the wrong guy. For she, she was in all those horror movies, the the Freddy movies. Uh-huh. Um, oh my God. <laughs> no. Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, yeah. I think that's the Freddy movies. I could be wrong there. Um, she She's even shown up to these things. Yeah. Um, and so they've been doing these events, I think, multiple times a year. Cool events, too. Yeah, no, like, cool. The completionist. Like, YouTubers makes cool playing videos. indie games. Yeah. Like, it's great. Yeah. Um, like he brings attention to indie games, he he highlights them, he gives them a platform, a stage to talk about their game, to pitch their game. Yeah. It's a cool thing that he's it's doing. It's very cool. And with these events, they have been uh asking people to donate funds to the Open Hand Foundation. Yeah. And in the last decade since 2014, 
they have raised over six hundred thousand dollars more actually um, but they have six hundred thousand dollars that has gone undonated to any actual uh, dementia research and like cure finding mm-hmm. organization um, public records show that not a single cent has been given to any organization the money continues to pile up and beyond some administrative spending approximately a hundred thousand dollars over the last decade running these indie land events right basically them throwing themselves a big party with all their friends mm-hmm. once a year um, to help fund these these events where they take in money from people um, and people that have been misled they've been telling these people that your money is going to help this organization this organization this organization and reality is, is they've never given a cent to any single one of these organizations right no interest has been shown to accru- have accrued on any of this money that they've donated mm-hmm. when they they file their report it just it just keeps showing their pile is growing but just the money being added on from year to year right so i mean who there's no way the six hundred thousand dollars isn't sitting in like a money market or a, a high yield interest right yeah. savings account they, yeah they so could. Who, who's keeping who's keeping this interest so there, um, i and not only that like the money is losing value every yeah. year it doesn't get spent well, everyone's money is losing yeah. value so someone who donated mo- you know $50 back in 2014 2015 now that's worth $40 right so that money could have actually gone to do something back then and now it has less value right i mean that's just across the board <laughs> Yeah. yeah, cash in general is just. Oh yeah, definitely. But I mean, like, if they had actually donated it and given it to foundations like they said they would, right. at least it would have been used back then when it had that value. Yeah, inflation has definitely hit that. Oh some. yeah, that that six hundred thousand dollars is worth a fraction of what it what it was what it was worth. Right. Um. So, Gerard uh, claims Carl Jobst Yobst Jobst. Jobst. I'm so sorry, Carl. You do amazing work. Yeah, by the Carl, way. big shout out. Um, Carl Yobst, like, you're a great YouTuber. Your deep dive exposes. I watch all your Billy Mitchell uh, work and stuff. We're like, you, we love you. Carl finds basically the truth about internet gaming related celebrity scandals, scandals and, yeah. and he just exposes them and puts all the documents he, he, out there like at his own risk he does this yeah stuff. like he's alienating himself big time going after the and opening himself up to lawsuits which he has received yeah you know um yeah carl yobst great youtuber go check him out so carl actually was able to get a brief uh, conversation going between him and the completionist I think uh, a few weeks ago before he published this video yep. yesterday and uh, Gerard claims that he didn't know that the money was sitting into the still sitting in the account undonated yeah. until 2022 yep. so okay so now he's had a year almost two years to look for a new place to donate the money right so you think he would have done it by now mm-hmm. nope still hasn't done it and he still goes on stream if he found out in 2022 and he's since had streams you know these indie land streams you know earlier this year he even had one where he continued to claim that money had already been donated to various charities right so that means he's lying big time right um it's hard to imagine that he would not know 
like check in the past however many years decade ago, decade uh you know if it's been donated who got the money who got how much i mean know? let's give him the benefit of that let's say he just let his brother who is apparently the person who mostly runs this charity right um manage it and his brother you know maybe had misled him or hadn't clued him into everything that had happened right and he just didn't ask right he didn't ask you know Right. Ignorance is bliss, I guess. Right. Um, but, you know, if he claims that he found out in 2022, then why in 2023 was he still telling the public right. during these He streams? continued to spout the same stuff, the yeah. same non-truths that he was spouting prior to when he supposedly found out. When he didn't know. And right. then saying the same things after he supposedly did know about it. Um so uh, there's this great moment in the first email that Carl exchanges with uh, the completionist brother mm-hmm. where at the end of the email, the, uh, the guy running the foundation, uh, the completionist brother says, um, Carl, do you know of any worthy places we can donate this money? Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, dude. You've had a decade to yeah. find a worthy right. cause. How on earth? Have you not found... You cannot tell me that there are not worthy dementia research organizations out there actually doing good work. Now, I get not wanting to give your money to some charity who's going to do nothing. Or just anyone. Yeah. Just anyone. I get that. I get wanting to be discerning, but I'm sorry. Yeah. It does not take a decade. Yeah. And if... Like, I can understand that... You know, I, oh, here's my benefit of the doubt scenario for for the completionist. Uh, I can understand maybe having bitten off more than you can chew with like a big endeavor, uh, like a nonprofit organization starting like a, a charity, right? And then you run these events. Maybe your heart is invested in Indyland, and the charity is just a uh, for you in that you know seat. Uh, sort of a tool to draw people into your indie land right. event, and uh, maybe once you know reality hits and you have all this money, and you just don't have the management skills or well, you know, here's the thing: Do you really think six hundred thousand dollars is that much money to the completionist? No, of course it is. The dude's a multimillionaire. Yeah, no, no, and I yeah, you're right, and I'm not thinking that, but I'm thinking it. If you're sitting there like, okay, now I got to do all this research on what dementia companies are out there, or not companies, uh, you know, charities right. are out there, and who's a good one, who's not a good one, who do I give this money to? Maybe you just skirt that responsibility for a while. It seems like they really want to find the company that's like doing the cutting edge, like work right. to cure it, right? Like, but. You can, I mean, there are plenty of, of, you know, charities that are doing work to help people that already have dementia. 100%. So it's like, why does it have to be that, like, you only want to give money if it's going to cure it? It doesn't have to be a research charity. It could just be a caretaking charity. Yeah, this is supposedly all in memory of his mom. Right. So, I mean, Who died young of dementia. Dude, (laughs) this is your mom's memory? Yeah, you're doing her a disgrace, man. Um, I, I'm, I'm not. I don't hate the completionist. I don't think ill of him. Um, I, I think this is fixable. I think it's fixable, and I don't. You know, I'm gonna curb how like bad we're painting this as a scandal. 
it would be worse if he spent the money on you know strippers and drugs or something. That would be a much bigger I scandal. Mean, you know, he all has saying, he has the money sitting in an account. Right. I mean, yes. Is there is there six hundred thousand dollars somewhere? Yes. It's not like there's when they're telling the IRS we have this much money. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not submitting proof that it's there. All they're doing is saying that's that it's true. There. That yeah, I mean, so they would be defrauding the IRS if they right. Did so if they ever got audited, they could be in huge yeah, trouble, huge like prison trouble. I do wonder if the IRS has seen this video. Yeah, I don't know. Um, um, I, and I have no doubt that he could come up with six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, to pay them back. I I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's just very questionable. I he still has yet more than thirty six hours after this video has come out now. And no the completionist statement. has still yet to yeah. issue any kind of public statement. I imagine they're probably scrambling to yeah. donate this money really, really fast. Yeah, probably. And then they'll make their statement. Yeah. Which will just look like you it was a fix, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So but going forward, I mean yeah, no matter what they do, even if they donate the money it still looks like they were just doing it because they had to rush to do something. Mm-hmm. But I mean, que- questions remain. Yeah. Where, um, in particular, my biggest question here, the biggest mystery is, if the completionist was genuine, you know, and wanting to donate, and I believe he was. I, you know, I believe he did this, started this. Yeah, I think this originated from a true place right. of like wanting to do something good. Um, if he, what his intentions were true. He would have done something with the money. If his intentions were not true and he was trying to embezzle it and this was all a big scam from the beginning, he would have done something with the money. What explanation is there for, you know, the money still just sitting there? Yeah. Like, it's just, there is no good explanation. No, exactly. Yeah. It's really confusing. Yeah. I just, I don't know what to think. I mean, I think. I think if some if someone's gonna take the fall, it'll probably be someone from his family, maybe. Mm. Um, you know, like oh, this know, guy was supposed to manage my it. brother. You know, he was in charge of it. You know, you know, this is his. You know, like he's gonna come out and probably take full responsibility. If I had to guess, yeah, there's too much at stake for the completion. Yeah, if yeah, if the he, brother will still be taken care of, but someone's gotta someone's gotta come take the fall. So they're probably figuring okay. out the best PR move. Who's going to take the fall, and wh- how do we get this money to someone ASAP right. that can make use of it? If the completionist's like public persona were damaged, that's all of their I think income. It's, I think it's damaged, but I don't. I still think there's a re- there's a possible recovery yeah, here. Right. You know, I think they can still do the right thing. They're going to look like <laughs> dummies just, for a while. Yeah. Um, and if they continue to do these events, they need to be really transparent, even if yeah. they're not legally required to be. Make yeah, just make. Uh, Who's going to want to donate to these events ever again? Make changes. Make changes to your event where you are actively publish. Or you know, you know instead of donating to a place, a foundation that's going to make another donation. Mm-hmm. If when you do these indie land events, have the donation go directly. To show it on a charitable show it on live stream like yeah. someone sends in a donation with a super chat or however they do it have like another window pop up on the live stream where it shows the respective I mean, yeah, charity but you know why these foundations exist because a bunch of people 
give a donation to the Completionist Foundation, mm-hmm. which in their donation to the Completionist Foundation is probably not a tax write-off. But when he then donates all that $600,000 to a charity, he's got a big, fat tax write-off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, you know, nobody else has any kind of tax write-off. Right. But, but he does. Right. Yeah. That's why I don't... I never buy into these celebrity foundations. No, I, I want to If you want to help, donate directly to a foundation that you know does good work. Do research. Don't just give money to the Red Cross. Right. Look and see how that money gets used, uh, you know? A, a charity that actually does work, not just forwards the money to yet another charity. Right. Right. Yeah, you're just wasting money. So, I, I don't know. I don't think they can come back and ever ask anybody to donate to this place again. They their... would have to really change their live streams and events in a yeah. way to really be transparent where they show the immediate donation going straight to, like... Yeah. You know, the charity or something. They need to get those little tubes that used yeah, to be at Costco. Right. <laughs> or they put the check inside of it and right. it goes across the country. Exactly. Some animation yeah. would be cool. And then some guy at the other end goes, thanks. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, we got to move on. Yep. So yesterday morning, um, the Game Awards, gaming's biggest night, I guess you could say, right. of the year, um, announced all of their nominees... And the Game Awards are taking place on Thursday, December 7th. Rick and I have tickets. Yep. I know for a fact I will be there. I plan on being there. Rick plans on being there. We'll see if we can, you know, make that happen. I think it would be cool for us both to go there and talk about it on the pod together afterwards. Yeah, we we need to do an event. We haven't done one. Yeah, we need to do a joint event. Um so uh, we'll we'll all have impressions. Hopefully, both of us will have impressions of the event. We'll talk about that uh, second week of December, probably. Yeah. Um, so, and the Game Awards are taking place in Los Angeles at the Peacock Theater, formerly the Microsoft Theater, formerly the Nokia Theater. Um, LA so Live. It's a big venue. They do on a they do a really big show. There's lots of musical guests. There's celebrity cameos and yeah, all kinds they, of they go know, all out with that. Yeah, questionable yep. shenanigans. Um, you know, in addition to the awards, there's also a lot of game announcements yeah. and various a lot kinds of trailers. Of a lot of it's a it's a hybrid show. Yeah, it's, you know, it's very commercial. It's for very sure. yeah, definitely. But um, it's still a good time. I enjoy going. Um, I haven't missed an in-person Game Awards yet, um, so I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna be there again. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to talk about some of the uh, categories and as well as real quick kind of run down what games were nominated for Game of the Year. So you want to talk about some of the category examples? Yeah, sure. So um, thirteen different or thirty-one, excuse me, different categories. Uh, a couple examples uh best score in music is an award that's a good one um best performance um that's being for voice and motion capture yeah some people might just provide their voice but a lot of people now do both right and their face and all yeah. that yeah um best action game uh best debut indie yep separate from best indie title yeah which so is a debut indie, meaning like a brand new indie studio, yeah, their first game. Their, yeah, a company's first game who is indie. Um, best Game Direction? Now that one, I feel like Best Game Direction is really for... It's like 
you know, most of these awards are for a game, and that represents, like, the whole team. Yeah. But, like, best game direction, that's, like, for the director right. of the game. Which makes sense because they have, like, best art direction and stuff. That would yeah. be the art director's yeah. award. I mean, you know, there's a department, but, right. yeah. And the composer, obviously. But yeah, that score. one's almost singular always. Yeah. Um, And the game of the year, obviously. Yeah, so game of the year being the the really big highlight the most anticipated it's always the award at the tail end of the show it's not my personal favorite award it's not the one that i look forward to but it's, it's the one people are arguing about yeah. on the internet yes. and we'll be discussing ad nauseum for weeks after the show is over right so this year's nominees and some of these are cool to see like alan wake 2 mm-hmm. getting nominated for game of the year alan wake is this old xbox 360 pc cult game and now, 15 years later, they've just come out with a sequel, like, not even a month ago. And it's been a big hit. Players really enjoy it. Uh, it's very atmospheric, very story-driven. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's getting rave reviews from critics and users alike. And then we have Baldur's Gate 3, um, which was this game that I don't know that anybody was expecting to be as big as it was. Um, but people love it. It's it, it plays like a Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. style rule set. Well, it's set in the Forgotten Realms novel universe and all that. Yeah, um, and you know I think people are largely expecting that Baldur's Gate three is going to run away with a lot of these Game of the Year awards at various outlets. Mm-hmm. The Game of the Year or the Game Awards included. Uh, we have Marvel Spider Man two, mm-hmm. which I'm. I'm not shocked to see it on this list, no, but not. it's a very by the numbers it, sequel. Yeah, that's the one I feel like people are going to be the most disappointed if it gets. Oh yeah, if Marvel Spider-Man Two wins, yeah, people will be like over these other ones. Yeah, um, and then we have Resident Evil Four, which is the 2023 version of Resident Evil Four, which is a from the ground right. up remake, right? Of one of the most beloved titles in gaming history. So, of course, the remake is also going to be... I mean, sure, you can screw up a remake, mm-hmm. but they didn't. No. They made a good, good remake. Yeah. Um, that was a little... I was, that I know, was a... Does that support VR? I think it... I think it has a VR mode coming if it's okay. not out yet. Okay. Um, but it's not like an optional purchase. It's just going to be included. I believe Sony commissioned... Capcom essentially. To I saw make part of it and yeah. I couldn't do it. I like yeah. I had no way. <laughs> um, you know, some people were saying, "Wow, I can't believe Resident Evil Four got on there over Street Fighter Six." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Game Awards has historically never nominated a, a fighting game, game for yeah. Game of the and, Year. Yeah, that kind of like genre bias. There I, is a best fighting game award, award right. which Street Fighter Six will no doubt take this year. Yeah, um, but it's definitely disappointing to see you know that kind of a game get snubbed again Mm -hmm. i think maybe super smash brothers ultimate was nominated for game of the year um i know it did win best fighting game but i don't think it won game of the year well according to nintendo it's not a fighting game (laughs) well it was nominated as a fighting game um and then we have super mario brothers wonder which, you know, you heard me talk about it earlier. I think it's definitely a worthy mm-hmm. title to be nominated. I mean, kind of crazy to think that a 2D Mario game is nominated for Game On of the Year. On par with Marvel Spider-Man 2. Yeah. 
and it truly is. I mean, it's a very different game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's less and less games like it, so I think that does also help make yeah. it stand out more from the crowd. Less competition. Yeah. Um, and then truly is just like a joy to play. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I feel like a lot of games forget to be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, they're, they're so worried about how cinematic and yeah. realistic and do we have all the right, you know, big names attached to yeah. it. That it's like fun gets lost. Right. Um, so it's cool to just see a game that's fun. Well, that's, well, that's what Nintendo has always... I mean, Spider-Man 2 is probably... It's a lot of fun. I know that game yeah. is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, some of these other games... I mean, Alan Wake 2, I know that game is probably like very intense. Right. And, you know, dreary and, mm-hmm. you know, scary. They pitched it as like a horror game. Yeah, well, Alan Wake 1 was a horror game. Yeah, but I think more scary rather than yeah. just like spooky right yeah uh, psychological yeah like this one is actually like you'll jump yeah yeah gotcha um and then of course the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom who had this award in the bag until Baldur's gate 3 showed up a couple months ago right um so you know a lot of people were thinking zelda's got it this year zelda's got it this year there's no way they don't have it this year mm-hmm. but uh I mean, there's really only two options, I think, for Game of the Year, who wins. I think it's either Baldur's Gate 3 or it's Zelda, but I think the split is, like, probably 80% chance Baldur's Gate 3, 20% chance Zelda. So you think it's going to go to Baldur's Gate 3? I really... I put money on it. Yeah? I put 100... If someone was like, I'll bet you 100 bucks that it's Zelda, I would I would take $100 on Baldur's Gate 3. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I can't really say, but I will say that, like, the biggest letdown will come with Spider-Man 2. Like, there will be disappointment. Yeah, well, you know, I I think there would be more genuine puzzlement if Spider-Man 2 wins. Um, If Super Mario Bros. Wonder win, I think there would be some people upset too, but it would be like the the shooter gamer you know that i only play you know realistic looking games yeah the bro game like what's with this kitty game winning yeah um yeah i could definitely see some disappointment there as well but uh yeah i think Baldur's gate 3 is going to take it i think zelda at this point would be a little bit of an upset um i mean me personally i haven't played Baldur's gate 3 because it's a digital only release but they've been teasing that um how do you feel zelda would be an upset because I think it is really... The consensus seems to be that Baldur's Gate 3 is just the better game. Okay. Like it, so it would be a slap to the Baldur's Gate people. Not that it would be a slap. It just seems to be the expectation yeah. that, like, out of... Like, I think what Zelt Tears of the Kingdom has going against it is that it does recycle a lot from Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... You think Spider-Man 2 doesn't recycle a lot Oh, yeah, but Spider-Man. I'm not... Spider-Man 2 is not even in the conversation for right. Game of the Year. I, I mean, just, like, it is in the conversation, but it doesn't pose a chance. I don't... I guess I'm dismissing it as a proper critique. Like, the fact that it recycles assets, what game... What mm-hmm. sequel doesn't? And again, I think Tears of the Kingdom stands on its own, aside from Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And I think it is worth a full package price for Tears of the Kingdom. But when you have something... You know, you know all these games are sequels. Yeah, <laughs> every single one of these games is a sequel yeah. of some kind. Um, so they're all something came before all of them mm-hmm. that they're based on. Right. They're all derivative of something that came prior. 
but I think Baldur's Gate 3 took something and expanded on it on a bigger way than any of these other games did Mm -hmm. Um, you know just in terms of the actual gameplay itself and uh, the performances of the game in the game and uh, just overall um, I I just I think it's got an edge over Zelda yeah like I mean sure yeah I'm sure there's tons of recycled stuff in that game they pulled from the other games that they worked on but like you're not it's not physically it doesn't look exactly like the previous game did you know whereas like Zelda you recognize a lot of pieces of the game right yeah a lot of the landmarks are still exactly where they were and how they appeared Um, and a lot of things have changed in that game as well Um, now I know me I'm going to the game awards more than anything I want to get and this is like if I have a chance a small opportunity to meet the the Zelda guys for one second mm-hmm. that would like make a huge dream come true for me um, at the game awards where they won for Breath of the Wild I didn't bring anything with me I didn't plan on bringing anything with me and I was right next to them at one yeah. point like if I had my copy of the game it could have been like hey could you sign they they were on like they were on mile you know 10 million you know yeah, like right. they were they just won the award they were like yeah you know yeah like, they would have done it oh yeah they would have been like oh yeah I'm a rock star here you yeah, know <laughs> right um and so uh, it would be a bummer if they lose and then I bump into them afterward can you sign <laughs> and they're like no I'm sad yeah um I don't even know if I'll be able to bring anything in uh to the game wards I feel like they're cracking down more and more on security yeah um but uh if I can sneak if I can sneak my game case in with me with the cover the game i'm gonna try <laughs> um okay i think you got any final thoughts you want to share or should no. we put a pin in this that's, one that's uh that's about it end transmission <laughs> <laughs>